Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PL2. Hello. We're back for episode S7E17, Driving Miss Crazy. <laughs> Miss Crazy would be Mary Drake, I assume, right? Yeah, she's in the backseat. Mm-hmm. Written by Francesca Rollins and Oliver Goldstick. Directed by Oliver Goldstick. This is uh, the bow for both of them. Mm-hmm. Their last episode. What did you think of this episode? This is a fun episode. This Lots is a of lot of fun. There's uh, some good Mona in this episode. There's some good, a lot of people. I mean, I think we were getting a little bit of our Ian Harding out of our system before we recorded, but uh, we were just uh, working on our Ezra impression. And that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not saying Ezra's great in this episode because. Oh, Ezra is a a magnificent fuckstick in this episode, but (laughs) in his own way, he's he's achieving peak Ezra. Yeah, which means it's a it's a winner for an Ian Harding episode. (laughs) Just freeze frame it anywhere of Ian Harding and it's going to be gold. It's like a gold rush of screen caps. Before we jump in, did have a little bit of follow up Um, on our website page. We had a few comments. Christine Pagan had some theories about the Hastings and Hastings and Hastings and Hastings photo. Uh, I feel the need to point out and apologies. This was misleading anyone that is photoshopped. That is me having some fun. Technically not Photoshop pixel mater, but um, yeah, that's not real. It, it just says Hastings and Hastings is what the official photo says. So apologies if anyone was misled. <laughs> we can drink. I, I can't wait for the pitchforks and torches. Mm-hmm. Um, um also thank you to clara on instagram for pointing out that the painting on spencer's bedroom wall is called november and it's Mm -hmm. by an artist named claire el sayasser i don't want to butcher that but i probably just did um who i took a gander through her etsy store and you know is that the uh, the spooning one yeah yeah the faceless spooning yeah Hmm. she has a lot of like a very similar in that series but that one i believe was called november did she base it on spencer and toby Let's just say yes. Okay. Um, well, I mean, there's not a, there's not an abundance of hand acting, so maybe it's not meant to be Toby. Maybe it's supposed to be uh, some hot spalo. The hands are busy elsewhere. Uh, Madeline Lilo on her website page uh, wrote a long comment. Just want to thank her for that. She kind of had her basic idea was that she wouldn't have wanted Mona to become the official fifth liar because like that would have ruined her, like it did Allie, which. I can see the possibilities there. Yeah, I think it's this show has four lead characters, which is actually really hard to do. And adding a fifth one, I think they've never quite figured out how to do that properly. So, yeah, I mean, I always want more Mona, Mm -hmm. but it's not that I want her to be on the show. Well, I do want her to be on the show all the time, but like I just want the liars to accept her as a fifth liar, even if she's not necessarily around all the time or like we're getting all the the Mona drama the same way we would for all the other liars, you know? Shocker, I'm going to compare the show to Lost. She's Saeed. Mm-hmm. You need to like have Mona like get on a helicopter for a few episodes. <laughs> Gotta go walk to the other side of the island or else she just fixed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one last thing. In the previous episode, there's like this glance, a significant glance that Lucas gives Mona 
uh, towards the end of the episode when Allie is saying, like, you sprayed blood all over my crib or whatever. And he kind of like looks over at Arya and frowns. And Arya kind of looks back at him, doesn't say anything. Apparently, that's all intentional. Yeah. Um, I can only assume that like maybe Arya was the one in the limo or something like that. Like, I don't know mm. how big of a deal that's going to be, but seemingly like Lucas knew that she was in some way not on the side of the angels at that point is my read on that. That or I kind of wonder if it could be very well thing where it's like, Hey, Brendan, we want you to look at Lucy for a minute. And then, you know, it plays into like Arya's story of, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling extra shitty. Um, I don't know. Oh, it was like in the script, I think is what he said. Yeah. Which again would still play into the, an Arya storyline of her having to react to something, but I thought <laughs> Lucas was going to be in the uh, musical number. Well, you also said there's going to be a bunch of Jackson Five in that musical number, and that did not happen. No, Jackson Brown. I thought it was. Now you're just making fun of me. Anyway, let's jump into the episode. Put on some Van Morrison for you. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> So we end the previously package on a very dour note, and then Tango. <laughs> that is not Tango. It's salsa. Sorry, Whatever. I d- didn't have time to correct you there. Um, yeah, they're dancing around. Arya, these stilettos she's in seem like crazy for dancing, and they're like just needlepoint stilettos, like three or four inches. What was your former roommate into? Salsa. Was it? was it salsa? Oh, you know this then. But you can tell it's salsa dancing because they're just like waving their hands around to make it look like it's more energetic than it really is which is so befitting of ezra mm-hmm. he's like a a beautiful peacock matador dancing in this room if his partner could not not look like less interested um yeah he's trying to have fun Arya is like a robot basically she's doing all the moves but her brain is elsewhere and as soon as the music stops she's just like great straightens her shirt and like walks away <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he Ezra has to do the thing where he stands around a little like lets everyone else see that he's feeling awkward. Like it's a little bit performative, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he he goes to join her as she's taking her shoes off. Replacing those heels with like some crazy like a little ankle high red boot things. Yeah, from one crazy pair of shoes to another crazy pair of shoes. But he's like, did I step on you? And she like considers it, shakes her head. She says, no. And he's like, because I could have sworn that I saw pain. (laughs) She says, my shoes are too small. It's fine. And his phone starts beeping. So he pulls it out of a coat pocket from his coat that's hanging on a rack. And he says, I'm sure it'll be a lot easier in a 50 pound wedding gown. And he looks at his phone. He's like, "Ugh, my brother's stalking me. She's like, why? And he comes around, like sits next to her as she's putting on those booties. And he says, my mother doesn't approve of who he's dating. She's terrified if Crystal is still with him on our wedding day that she'll blight the family photos. Ouch. I mean, in your fucking face, Crystal. Wouldn't Mrs. Fitzgerald be mad that Arya herself is blighting the family photos by marrying Ezra? What if the first time Crystal came to a family dinner, she wore one of those grab her by the brain shirts? Mm. And the mom was like, bad taste. (laughs) Those never got off the ground, did they? I have no idea. I was just like a warehouse. Oh, West Fitzgerald. Yeah. <laughs> so Arya's like, what does he expect you to do? And it's just like, broker a deal, sit her in the back behind a very thick pole. Hey, maybe we can put them be- at the same table as your cousin who raises ferrets? 
Um, and he cracks jokes with like the like panache of like Mike Huckabee trying well, to do stand up. I think he's no one is that bad. Um, I think he <laughs> he senses the the distance. He senses the coldness, and so he's like working harder than usual, which is of course only making it worse. I think. Well, uh, also, anytime Ezra brings up Arya's extended family, it's horrible. Like grannies with chin hairs and shit. Ferrets. Yeah, whose side is this? I'm going to assume it's Byron's. <laughs> Byron did have his crazy brother, Scott, played yeah, in our dreams who, by Rob Lowe. Who has just chiseled good looks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Arya's like, she lets that one fly right past. Uh, she checks her phone, sees that she has three missed FaceTime calls. Rut row. Uh, so she tries to clear up her mind, looks up at Ezra, smiles, tries not to seem too distressed. And he kind of notices that he's just like, Aria. He takes her hand, wanting to be sure he has her attention. He's like, hey, look, we're going to be fine. Nothing's going to ruin our perfect day. I promise. Um, and she just like, kind of smiles, waiting, wanting to seem normal, is, you know, wanting his words to be true. She whispers, yeah, affirmatively. And then he leans over and gives her one of those like patented dismissive kisses on the cheek and holds up his phone like it's this urgent thing, like, sorry, I got to run. Wes wants to do this thing in person. <laughs> I love how they keep mentioning him and like, oh, he's going to go meet Wes off screen. Like, well, is that guy going to be in the finale? Like, are we ever going to see him again on the show or? Nope. <laughs> what about Mike Montgomery? What about that guy? If you're Mike Montgomery, who does not come to his parents' own wedding, mm-hmm. do you come to Ezra and Arya's wedding? Probably not, no. <laughs> um... So, yeah, Ezra grabs his coat and he says, call me every 20 minutes, okay? Save me, please. Please, please. And he's like kind of like leaning backwards as he goes out the door saying this because uh, it's just more Ezra humor. And she kind of laughs politely at it. Then he's gone. Now she can call Avataria back. The the real OTP, the real end game. It's Arya uh, and her phone. Yeah, Arya and her phone and her own reflection. Um, so in a Lobo, she's just like, I cannot do this right now. Let me see that. Uh, Avatar is all ready to go. That face filter on, black hoodie, holding that mysterious Arya folder. You can't afford not to. <laughs> uh, holding up the folder menacingly. You still want this, don't you? And Arya's like, not if it means torturing my friends. And Avatar's just like, but we agreed that you weren't done. Which I love. And then Arya's like, I've done enough. I want it back. And of course, she like glances over her shoulder. Uh, and Avatar says, you'll get it. But first, you need to deliver a gift to Spencer and her family. And Arya's just like, no, no, not Spencer. She's already been through too much. Avatar is like, your call, and then opens up the folder to start reading. Is like, maybe the best man can use some of this in his toast. Does the groom know that you once referred to him as a twisted, conniving predator? He's <laughs> like, stop. And then Avatar is, or that you wanted the Rose police to officially charge him for exploiting a teenager when he was in a position of power. And then Arya's like, I never filed that report. It was too savage. I couldn't go through with it. Avatar is like, but you filled it out, sweetheart. No one held a gun to your head. And she's like, I was angry. I wanted to punish him. That was like six years ago. And Avatar says, oh, fortunately for me, there's no statute of limitations. So either you deliver the gift or you're getting hitched in cell block 17. And like a door slam somewhere nearby in the dance studio. And Arya kind of looks back startled. There's no one there. Uh, I'm all about like the dance teachers like watching Arya. And it's like, why is that girl pretending to FaceTime someone when her phone screen is off? She's just talking to a phone. 
Well, as a delusion, it works mm-hmm. perfectly because the phone is off and you just see your own reflection, mm-hmm. <laughs> black screen, <laughs> and it will look a little funny. So it makes all the sense in the world. Um, it's funny I that believe... Arya Arya can acknowledge her mental state six years ago. She was just a teenager. She didn't know she was doing filling out that report and not like just making that last leap to be like, oh, maybe that's why your teacher shouldn't have dated you. No, like like the report was the youthful indiscretion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the like abuse. Um, I want to thank one of our listeners named Allison who did a deep dive on uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania statutory rape charges and talking about how they're is indeed a statute of limitations for Aria to file. The age is 23. Mm, might be there. I don't know. It depends on how old she is. Anyway. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen before the end of the show. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, it is funny I wish that, that they're, was the true race against time. They're bringing that up over and over in this episode. I don't yeah. know quite what to make of that. I don't know. We can talk about that more in, later. Um, but yeah, Ari's got to go do something to, something to Spencer now. And then we get our credits. Emily is the shusher. And then it's the next. Which is the most most lively she is the whole episode. Yeah. I, I don't know. But at the very end, suddenly she's like like into working with Mona. But yeah, Emily, like this whole episode is like, wah, Allie's not here. I'm unhappy, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's really seducing that camera during the shush. And yeah, then it's the next morning. We see Marco Fury's knocking on the door to Lucas's loft there. Hannah opens wearing a bathrobe. She's got a coffee mug in her hand. And they both seem a little surprised to see each other. And he's like, morning, did I wake you? And Hannah kind of shakes her head. She's doing a good job pretending to be casual but confused, I think. She's uh-huh. like, uh, no. Well, she's, she's wearing a bathrobe. So this is a fine time for a police interview. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She's like, oh, what's this about? And he says, can I come in? Which is rather rude. But I mean, it's obviously she like just woke up. Anyway, yeah. she, she kind of thinks about it and then just steps aside and holds the door open for him. He walks in. He's looking around this place constantly as he talks. Like he's like looking for any hint of evidence to help him out or anything. And he's like, there is an incident. So, gotta be a little maze. Well, it's gotta be a little maze at all the nerdy shit that Lucas has amassed. I feel like this guy does not care about that sort of thing. Okay. I don't I don't think he's like, ooh, a Batman action figure. <laughs> I'm just it's not that it's a Batman action figure, it's that there's like a Batman action figure among a whole like menagerie of geeky shit. Yeah. Anyway. So Marco says, there is an incident at the Radley Hotel on Thursday. Basement storage room was flooded. And I was like, why are you telling me this? And he says, because a witness saw you and your friend Caleb there that night. And she kind of shrugs, maybe not so convincing this time. And he's like, is he here by any chance? And Hannah's like, okay, well, who is the witness? And what did they think they saw? And he's like, may we sit? And Hannah's like, no, you know what? I really don't have time. Get the fuck out of here. I need to go go in the shower. And then right on cue... (laughs) Caleb walks out of the bedroom area. He's in a t-shirt and some boxer breeze. He's drying his hair off with a towel. <laughs> he really could have come out hanging dog. I'm just saying. If the, if well, PLL like, really, the, sorry, good. I was like, if he's like, he hears, like he's dressed. I feel like he's wearing the same outfit he's wearing now. But he hears like, oh, the police are here. Boxers off. <laughs> if he just came out in a shirt and nothing else, like. Like Marlene's like been like kind of hyping the finale as like HBO level sex scenes or something. Like if you really want to grab that title, you just have him walk out with no pants on at all. 
like Kevin Bacon at the end of Wild Things. The yeah. PLL Twitter would break. Like it would be amazing. It'd be the most hilarious thing the show could ever do. And Freeform's like, you know what? We'll take the fine. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a fine? Basic cable. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think there's like it's not necessarily illegal but it's like they still get fined or something i remember knowing more about this when there was the whole thing of like comedy central and like they would play unedited movies sometimes on the weekends after one i don't know i I don't know what what the situation with dicks (laughs) on tvr eight o'clock all right um marco says oh i guess it's your turn and then to caleb he's like good morning caleb Struts over to Hannah's side. He's really like alphaing it up now to get like another man is present. And he's like, What's going on? Hannah says, Detective Fury said that there's a flood in the basement at the rally and someone saw us there. And Caleb seems to really be like enjoying this challenge. He's just smiling broadly. He's like, Why wouldn't they? I live there. And he's like, Yet you shower here. And Caleb's like, Hannah has nicer shampoo. Also, do the math, bro. We're obviously fucking. <laughs> I feel like Marco should be like, uh, according to my sources, you almost never shower, and the funk is always about you. This is a little odd. <laughs> uh, no, he just stares him down. He's he's displeased with this convenient, not impertinent answer here. Like, I think it must mm-hmm. be clear to Marco that Caleb has dealt with cops before. Like that that's mm-hmm. how Caleb comes off to me here. He's kind of tweaking him, and Caleb's like, "Why are the police investigating a flood? Doesn't that fall under bad plumbing?" And Marco says, "Oh, this was no accident. This was staged." The flood destroyed crucial evidence in a murder investigation. Dunhills. And he looks over at Hannah when he says this. And Hannah's just making some Hannah poker face right now. And then Marco looks back at Caleb and he says, Just curious, why do you live in a hotel? And Caleb's about to answer, but then Hannah cuts in. She says, My mom manages the Radley. She offered Caleb a room and he upgraded the security system. Marco arches an eyebrow at this. And he's like, Really? Well, that system failed on Thursday between 9.14 and 9.24. Besides you, who else has access? Caleb's like, I don't know. You'd have to speak to Ashley Marin. And Marco says, oh, I already did. We spoke last night. And we will again until we figured out what, what happened. We already know why. And Caleb's just rubbing Hannah's back and pulling her closer. He's like totally chill. He's like, is there anything else we can help you with? And Marco says, there might be. We may have lost one item, but other compelling evidence has surfaced. And Hannah's eyes get wider, like, oh no, what, what new fresh hell could this be? Do you think he mm-hmm. is bluffing, or do they actually have new evidence? I don't know. I feel like he's trying to, like, full-on tanner them. Um, I feel like if he's bluffing, he doesn't follow it up properly, but like, then, like, following them around to see what they do, you know? Well, such as he just did that two episodes ago, and it worked out. Mm-hmm somewhat better um, so maybe he does have some other evidence i don't know what it would be but yeah yeah well as we learn though like whenever there is something actually to work on like the rosa pd really only has like one or two competent people to put on it so yeah he's probably like busy <laughs> can't be tracing down leads and following shady suspects at the same time all they need to do is follow these two around like soon enough they're gonna be like shouting about it in the brew about how like what they did and evidence they've you know, hid and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Sid and Nancy here aren't exactly quiet about mm. um, <laughs> their shady shit. So over that, we get Emily's voiceover from the next scene. She says, this had to happen today. So we cut to Spencer's house. We're in the great room in the main house. Emily's there of Spencer. 
uh, rooms full of boxes. Spencer's like looking at a frame, or Emily's looking at a frame picture of uh, Spencer and Veronica together. It's from the production of Six Eleven, the uh, the infamous speech out in front of the police station. I mean, that was I'm like sorry, it's, to it announce her candidacy, right? I it really couldn't have been to announce it, like. But don't, don't think in realistic terms. Think in Rosewood terms. It seemed like that was her announcement of her yeah, candidacy. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> like how you're like throw the real world out. It's a whole new book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Spencer's transfixed, and Emily's just like Spencer. So she's like, Yeah, my mom hired a realtor who thinks that having a paperclip is too much clutter. Uh, they hired one of those stagers who comes in and tells you to get rid of all your personal shit. Yeah. Emily nods, pulls out a book, starts like flipping through it. Spencer's like, why Jason? And Emily's like, what? Spencer says, why did she feel the need to go see Jason now? And Emily's like, you know, Allie needed the break. I'm glad she's in New York. <laughs> sure you are. So they, That's know. why you're going to be a total pill for the rest of the episode. <laughs> right after you guys got together, you're totally glad she went somewhere else. But that's okay, because Mona's in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, they start shoving some books in the boxes together. Spencer's like, hey, well... It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And Emily's like, no, all the books say that the nausea lets up in the second trimester. And Spencer's like, no, I'm not talking about barfing, Emily. I don't give a shit about your storyline. I'm talking about Fury. Like nobody um, gives a shit about Allie's pregnancy. So for you, Emily. Yeah. So she's like, he's hell bent on being super cop. He's trying to solve every single cold case on the Rosewood police blotter. So she like stops when she senses that her parents are coming downstairs behind her, her, her parent. It's a uh, Peter. There's so many typos here. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's, it's Peter Hastings. And Peter's like, hey, Emily. <laughs> Emily's like, oh, hey. Uh, so Peter's like the first words he's ever said to Emily. I was thinking about that. He's probably passed her at some point on his way to the like the scotch when he's like walked in on one of these similar scenes. Peter's like, hey, it's the gay one, right? Not the short one, not the blonde one. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> not the one who's uh, the daughter of the woman I also impregnated. <laughs> Um, so he looks around at all the various boxes, looking to throw away some shoes, and he's like, oh, what's our system here? Spencer points out one pile, Harrisburg, the other pile, dumpster. And he's like, you guys need a giant yard sale. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. When we leave here, we're not leaving any bits of us behind. We're gone. And he smiles as Spencer rubs her back like he's waiting to show his daughter like the proud, lawyerly tradition of shredding. <laughs> Just like, we're going to be bleaching this place from top to bottom like a biohazard site. <laughs> So Peter then turns to Emily and he just it's so wonderfully dismissive. Hope you come visit. Like he could honestly not care less whether he ever sees her again. It just made me think of uh thanks, Toby. Good night. <laughs> also, uh Emily's t-shirt that she's wearing, it says California on it and like this kind of weird font and like three different colors. But there are mm-hmm. certain scenes where it's like the the shirt is just bunched up the right way where it looks like it says California. Yeah, I thought uh, so too. So that that's happening in this scene, and then later on when Mona's like changed into something more appropriate, like it's really noticeable there. Which I think I I saw that like uh, they were having a lot of fun on the set with this, like just laughing about that. California, mm-hmm. <laughs> California. Yeah. Meanwhile, Spencer has found a small little blanket from one of those boxes, and she's studying it quietly. And Emily's like, "What's that?" And Spencer's reading the blanket. She says, "Property of Radley Sanitarium." I think this must be what they brought me home in. Emily's like, was that in the dumpster pile? And Spencer's like, yep. In your fucking face, Spencer. Yeah. It's like her, her family kept her swaddling blanket for 24 years. 
and only now they're throwing it away to spite you. Yeah. You, sh- you like, should absolutely take this personally, Linus from Peanuts. Yeah. And he's like, maybe you should keep it. And Spencer just kind of holds a blanket close to her. Uh, just uh, then her phone starts beeping. And we see on the screen, there's a text from Hannah that says, need to play the game now. They're going to cut to the game board at Allison's house. Hannah is pacing around. She's freaking out as she is wont to do in this season. Uh, and Spencer's like, Hannah, stop. And Hannah's just like, what other evidence? What is Fury talking about? Today he sent him a nose. And he's just like, Hannah, breathe. And Hannah says, no, you breathe. We have to play the game until the end or that body's going to end up in somebody else's hands piece by piece. And it's not going to be ours. I'm taking another turn. And Arya is just kind of sitting quietly by the island counter. Just the very picture of meek guilt as she's watching Hannah unravel here. And Spencer says, okay, it doesn't work like that. You have to be chosen. And Arya just looks down, doesn't say anything. Hannah notices her silence. She's like, why haven't you had a turn? And Arya's like, oh, fuck. She's like, I don't know. I'm not in control of the game. Like, thank God someone finally noticed that like Arya is being uncharacteristically like not Arya the past few episodes. In these little group chats. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I could do with somebody being like, Hannah, stop shouting. Just calm True. the fuck down. True. But it's Arya, like, speak up more. Hannah, shut up. And also, Spencer, you know something weird's going on here. D- deduct faster. Yeah. <laughs> or deduce faster. Well, I think Hannah's on to something with Arya. I mean, she doesn't really know what yet, but I think her and Spencer both have like caught the scent. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, just then like a Thorvord creaks nearby and Spencer's like, what was that? And then we hear Mona say, that was me. And in walks Mona. She's in like this sassy, bright red top, just oozing confidence. And she's like, I'm sorry I'm late. What did I miss? Spencer and Emily have these hilarious looks on their face. Like, what the fuck is that doing here? <laughs> Spencer says, uh, an invitation? <laughs> this scene is wonderful. Hannah's like, uh, Mona knows about the game. And Emily's like, but why? And Hannah says, because we need her help, Emily. She's brilliant. She knows the answer before you can even ask the question. And then they kiss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mona's just beaming at this praise. And Arya looks extra concerned now. And Mona says, well, the question is, why you waited so long to ask? And for that, I have no answer. Smirk. <laughs> oh, my God. What an amazing woman. <laughs> oh, she's so fucking good. <laughs> um, so Emily's like, Wait, Mona, this isn't Trivial Pursuit. There's a, bo- a missing body, and Mona's like, stop focusing so much on the dead body and put your attention on the live one. So everyone is like standing in this scene, except again for Ari, who's off to the side. And Ari's like, what? Do you think you know who AD is? Mona's like, I have a short list, starting off Jenna Marshall and ending in Mary Drake. And so is there like, anyone okay. else on that list between the two? That's what I'd like to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mona chooses her words very carefully. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay. Much like you know Jim what? Comey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But it's like, I'm just trying to blend in with the drapes. Please don't leave me alone with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Spencer's like, okay, you know what? We don't need your theories. And there's no piece on the board that looks like you. And Mona's like, I guess you're forgetting who replaced a shattered windshield once you peeled Dunhill off of it. Which makes me an accessory to your crime. If you think I'm going to leave my fate in your bumbling hands, then you've been smoking the drapes. And then <laughs> awesome. And we just get more shots of Arya looking super sketchy and guilty and Hannah making some more Hannah face. It is interesting. Both those suspects that Mona listed there have already essentially been ruled out as AD. 
and they could yeah. they could be helpers theoretically but um yeah i mean those two in particular by the 710 finale it seemed like they kind of got x'd out of prime suspecthood we shall see and and i feel like mona would i don't know get get them off her suspect list for other reasons being that she's mona mm-hmm. um at the end of the episode i guess i have a theory why she's throwing out these dummy suspects mm. um not really much of a theory but anyway so we cut much, to much like uh jim comey she doesn't want to tell her target that they're under investigation exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mccain spatters on for who knows what about god knows what <laughs> the ezra factor yeah uh over at the radley oh my Oh my god, Ian Harding in like a shit ton of makeup as McCain. Oh wow, that'd be awesome. I'm a maverick. Yeah, <laughs> so at the Radley, the elevator door dings open. Caleb's kind of waiting to get inside as all the other riders are exiting. And then at the back of the group, the last one to step out is Ashley Goddamn Marin. She's got a slick new shorter haircut, wearing a little LBD, texting on her phone. Caleb's a little surprised and flustered to see her. He's like, Ashley or uh, Mrs. Marin. I didn't know that you were back in town already. Uh, Hannah thinks that. And Ashley's like, yeah, I was just uh, texting her an update. Well, we skip the hug. How are you? And then they hug. And Caleb says, oh, my God, welcome home. How are you? And she's like concerned. He's trying to play cool, but he like totally gulps here. And she's like, can we talk somewhere with a little less traffic? Yeah. And they walk like five feet away. I love this. Well, at least they're not in front of the elevator. The sole (laughs) elevator. (laughs) At least they're not just blocking other people from entering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ashley's like uh, voice lower. She's like, I just spent the last hour in a meeting with the Rosa police and my support staff. Gibbs like, was I supposed to be there? And she's like, no, they specifically asked that you not be, which is great that she mentioned this only because Ashley's been in this situation before at the mm-hmm. bank. Yeah. Um, and so Caleb, you know, again, like gulp. And she's like, do you know about this flood? And he's like, um, yeah, I, I mean, I heard. But Hannah and I didn't have anything to do with it. She only came to pick me up after sex. And she's like, but Caleb, Detective Fury keeps circling back to you. He seems to think that this may have something to do with protecting Hannah and her friends. Is this true? And Caleb's like shaking his head. And he's like, so much has happened since you've been gone. The girls are just easy targets. Which, first of all, how long has she been gone? But Ashley's like, please, look me in the eye and tell me that Hannah is not in any kind of trouble. So Caleb kind of makes like bedroom eyes. And he's like, she's not in trouble but ashley uh i think ashley just always looks unconvinced well uh, she's learned that from hannah caleb's almost a son-in-law so i think her mom powers kind of extend to him too now yeah but i feel like all those times that she's told hannah i can tell when you're lying she's just been smart enough to just assume that hannah's always lying no i I think it's more than that i think she has special mom powers she knows okay Mm -hmm. okay i mean sooner or later here ashley's gonna find out that this dude just lied to her face i don't know how she's gonna take that yeah. She's like, by the way, uh, fuck you, son-in-law. <laughs> you totally fucking lied to me, you asshole. I would throw this glass of wine in your face, but I like wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, later on, it's going to be nighttime, and Spencer's still in her family room. She's taping up a box with one of those like fancy taping guns. And you see behind her, Veronica's on the phone with the realtor. And she's saying, Sheila, that that swing has been hanging from the tree since we bought the house. I don't even know how to take it down. And Spencer like looks over at this like alarmed, like what? How dare you? 
And Veronica's like, the whole tree? She kind of raised her eyebrows at Spencer. Spencer just glares at her and turns away. And Veronica's like, I'll, I'll call you back, okay? I mean, couldn't they just uh, cut down the swing? I don't know. Yeah. Worst, worst case scenario, you get some scissors. Yeah. I, it's, a, a whole tree sounds like it's a bit much. It's rope. Maybe a chain. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem that hard to me. Yeah. Uh, so she hangs up. One of the side doors pops open. It's Arya fucking Montgomery. Uh, she's carrying two bags of takeout food from the Apple Rose Grill. They are both larger than she is, as usual. And so just like, hey, whoa, what are those? And Arya's like, well, you had mentioned that you'd forgotten to eat. I figured your cabinets were already empty. And Veronica's like, oh, we only tossed the condiments. But that's so sweet of you, honey. Thank you. So Arya comes over the counter, sits down on those giant bags next to some other boxes that are like in progress. And Veronica says to Spencer, um, I have one more closet tackle before we take a dinner break. And she says to Arya, will you join us? And Arya's like, oh, no, actually, I, I really can't stay. And Veronica's like, another time then. Come visit us. <laughs> um, so Veronica takes off. Like Arya like, looks around the counter, looking very fishy. Spencer has her back to Arya. She keeps like working on a box. And so without turning back to, to the shusher, Spencer says, so this ticked off as I am. And Arya, you know, her guilty conscience is like, about what? But so she's like, about Mona? Hannah should not have pulled her into any of this. So Arya starts like fooling around with a phone quickly, like when Spencer isn't looking. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. She can help. It might be nice to have a different perspective. We see that she's like getting connection to it on the Bluetooth to like uh, HA system, Spencer's place, which is going to be yeah, just the speaker. Tapping into the local audio setup here. Uh, also available are BT headphones, Spencer's laptop, and climate control. It's shocking you gotta, that she can't. You got to secure uh, your smart home, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a shame she can't hook the phone up to like the robot deaf showers Wi Fi. <laughs> Maybe uh, that's what climate control is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spencer says uh, her perspective is warped. She needs to take Mary off of her list. And this is when I'm just like, Spencer, not you two. Like, you've been infected with the Allison de Laurentiis. Like, I have a dumb blind spot for a family member. I just learned about sickness. Which is the same family member. (laughs) I know. Uh, So Spencer's uh, still not really watching Arya at all. She's like busy with her box. And then once that phone is paired that Arya's got in her hand there, she slips it into one of the boxes of books behind her. And Arya says, yeah, you're probably right. She should. And then she turns back to Spencer when she's done. Spencer like holds up like it looks like a little like clutch handbag or something. And she's like, do you need this? And Arya's like, no, but thanks. Actually, I got to go. Spencer's like, oh, why? What's up? More wedding stuff? And Arya's like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. As we're slipping out about the guest list, I'll see ya. Spencer says, okay, bye. Thank you. So Arya leaves and Spencer goes back to her box and she sees her tape gun is out of tape and she's like, mom. And we cut to outside. Arya's still waiting by the window listening in. So we hear Spencer say, hey, when you come down, will you bring some more tape with you? And Arya waits a bit longer. Maybe like she's regretting this. Like maybe she might go back in, but then no, she leaves. Mm. She changed her mind. She goes. And so then back inside the house, Spencer's walking over to another box when suddenly start hearing Mary Drake and Peter, Peter Hastings voices slightly distorted. Like they're like on a phone or something. They start just sounding, you know, from, from the ether. And we hear Mary say, why are you calling me here? Spencer kind of freezes, like confused by like what she's hearing. And Peter says, you know why I'm calling you. You thought you could pin this on me. And Mary's like, I could pin a lot on you, Peter. And Peter's like, 
I think burying a dead body in my place is plenty. And Mary says, I didn't have a choice. If it wasn't Jessica, it would have been me six feet under. I know what you two are planning. And Spencer's like really confused now, like wondering where the sound is coming from, but also like kind of processing what those voices are saying. And we hear Peter say, uh, six feet under isn't deep enough for you. And then Peter Hastings comes running in from his den. He's angry and panicked. He's like, what the hell is this? Where is that coming from? And we hear him on the recording again say, you know why I'm calling. You thought you could pin this on me? And Peter just runs over to a speaker by the lamp and by like the stairs. He just like rips it out of the wall as Veronica comes rushing downstairs. She's like, Peter? And the recording's still playing from other speakers. Spencer's like, what's going on? And Peter says, how did she get in here? And then we hear the recording say, a dead body in my yard is plenty. And Peter's like hulking up here. He like runs over to a speaker on a high shelf and he like he yanks it out. And by doing this, he knocks over like this fancy dish that crashes on the ground. And Spencer and Veronica are very taken aback by all this, but Peter is full of fury. And then he's just like, damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. Before that, he's like, this is what happens when you open the door to a lunatic. And he's like waving the speaker at them. And he looks out the window. And he's like, damn it. And then he just like runs out the door leaving Spencer and her mom just process like this crazy new side of Peter Hastings. It's great. Mm-hmm. Well, and this recording, yeah, this, this mm-hmm. ghostly conversation from the past. We keep getting the, why are you calling me here? You know, I'm calling you. You thought you could pin this on me. And then I could pin a lot of you, blah, blah, blah. So like they realize that the audio is now coming again from like one of the speakers upstairs. And so there's this great shot where we then like, watch the two women together like through the bars on the stairs and then like slowly pan into nothing as the audio fades away and we end with you know i didn't have a choice it wasn't jessica it would have been me six feet under yeah and they're they're both hearing at this time and can really focus on what is being implied there Uh, it's interesting to think this is all happening right around the same time this recording was um peter was also trying to protect melissa from the whole bethany young murder like he yeah. was pretty busy trying to do some cover-ups there all at the same time. And then Veronica tried to divorce him. Didn't take. Yeah. <laughs> did we, I'm trying to remember, did I just dream this? Did, is it actually Jessica at the police station or is it Mary in disguise? Uh, we have debated that. I, as far as we know, it's Jessica until we learn otherwise, I believe is what that situation is. Okay. Cause it, I mean, I want to say the the dialogue I remember from her still makes sense because like if she sees that, you know, it's Charlotte there in the interrogation room and she's just like, I just found out my daughter is still alive. Um, hmm. Though no, she knew. I kind of wonder. Though, oh, okay, I don't yeah. think hmm. She didn't know about the transition though at that point, I don't think. Because mm. why wouldn't she have just gone and talked to Charlotte? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what Mary knew at that point? Um, yeah. I the the actual murder is still a little murky to me because like those pills wouldn't have killed her immediately, but like soonish, you know. And so like to the point where Mary was like walking through her yard when they killed her is seemingly what we're yeah. led to believe. It's not like somebody bonked her over the head; like she just right. like had a reaction at just that moment. Um, and and it's it's like CC implied that she buried the body, but then. Now we're we're hearing otherwise from Mary and Peter, so yeah, yeah. Well, we're hearing we're hearing definitely that Mary had the the driving force in killing her after stealing it from them. But like, 
did Mary actually bury her? Because that just seems sloppy and well, dumb. Well, she doesn't like, dispute it. She's he, Peter says, I think burying a dead body in back backyard true. is plenty. And Mary says, true. I didn't have a choice. You know, like, that's right. That's right. Because she doesn't even like seemingly bury her that well if the dog can dig yeah. her up. <laughs> but then who does who is Jessica emailing that night? I mean, that could be could be CC, could be Mary. You know, either works fine. Could be someone totally different. Yeah. Anyway, after commercial, Veronica's dumping the remains of that fancy dish that crashed to the ground uh, from a dustpan into the garbage. She's not happy, but she's kind of barely keeping her cool. And behind her, Peter walks back in. And Veronica says, so, is she out there? And Peter says, no. And Veronica goes and like stands by her daughter Spencer there. She interrogates her husband. She's like, who recorded that conversation? And Peter's like, ah, how should I know? It was 100 years ago. And Spencer's like, six. <laughs> And there's like this look that passes between father and daughter there, like literally semantics. Lots of eye chatter in this scene. Oh, yeah. Spencer says, why would you think that you and Allie's mom wanted to kill her? Peter's like, please, Spencer. These are the delusional ramblings of a sick person. Who else would do something like this? And Veronica picks up a cordless phone. She starts to dial and Peter's like, what are you doing? And Veronica's like, calling the police. And Peter's like, no, 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 don't do that. And Veronica's like, somebody broke into her house. And Peter says, you don't need to call the police. And Veronica's like, I'm calling them. And then Spencer cuts her off. She's like, please, don't call them. And Veronica's surprised by this. She looks at Spencer and Spencer's like, please. And she's looking her mom in the eye. And Veronica must be thinking like, oh, shit, you're a murderer too. And Veronica, she looks concerned. And then she kind of glares at Peter. And Peter's kind of taking in all this eye chatter here. He's looking at Spencer. Spencer's looking back at her dad. It's like there's this understanding that passes between them there. Like this whole Shakespearean story <laughs> told this, in visuals. This family is full of secrets, yeah. I mean, great silent reactions. Like, this family is so dark and twisted. They they all have to admit to each other that they've done terrible things to protect the family, even as it's tearing them apart. The only thing that would make this better is if somehow like Melissa just showed up with a suitcase in the corner. Surprise! Do you like my new haircut? Yeah. And they all just stare at each other again. Well, I mean, um, so now, Spencer, uh, they don't know anything about her her Marco Fury troubles, but which I mean, is amazing. Yeah, I know. I, it's amazing that like no one down at the DA's office or whatever has like gotten in touch with them on that. Yeah. Hey Veronica. Hey Ronnie. I know you're about to head up to Harrisburg and all, but uh, did you I'm know there's a file. sealed indictment? Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to file against your daughter here. So, um, yeah. So Allison's house. Emily's walking back in with Mona. Emily's like on the phone of Allison, and she's like, "I'll call you back before you go to sleep. Tell Jason I say hey." And Mona's like, "Make sure she takes her folic acid." And Emily <laughs> just gives her this glare. So Emily on the phone like kind of like backs away a little bit. And she's like, that was Mona. Something about acid. And Emily's like, good night. And then whatever she hears, she smiles. And she's like, yeah, you too. So Mona's over there like inspecting the game. Like she's like returned to her lover who's like waking up for her again. She's enjoying this. Like without turning back to Emily, she's like, you can tell Allie you love her in front of me, Em. That hasn't been a secret since we were in brownies. <laughs> you just and, imagine the the liars and Mona all in brownies and like, them still being horrible to Mona even back then. Uh, I'm hearing PLL prequel. Uh, <laughs> Mona's like, I have like 300 badges or whatever. They get badges, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I feel like Mona's got like the the sash that's just like covered in bling, and they she's still got ignore like, 
like two sashes. Like she's mm-hmm. like basically like like decked out. Like she's across between like Worf from Star Trek and who's that fucking bonkers sheriff guy with all the bullshit badges and shit. Is it Clark? David Clark? Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah, Mona's back to Emily. Only now. Mona's got like Boy Scout yeah. badges on there. Yeah. Like, how did you even get this? At all. But also, like him, she somehow got like Israeli traffic cop badges. <laughs> um, so Mona turns back to Emily. Only now she's holding onto the game phone, and Emily's like, "Okay, please, you shouldn't be touching that." And Mona's like, "You still don't realize how badly you need me, do you?" And um, I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for my whole life for Mona to say that to me. <laughs> And so Emily's like, look, I didn't ask you to play this game. And Mona's like, you also didn't ask me to find out the name of the fertility doctor who did Allison's procedure, but I did. Don't you want to know who bankrolled it? That person might also be your baby's daddy. And Emily makes this ridiculous, like, what, huh? Face. And Mona's like, still takes two, hun. Um, so Emily steps forward. She's trying to be, like, I think intimidating to Mona. Mind you, Shay Mitchell's still, like, five feet taller than Janelle Parrish. But mm-hmm. she's like, okay, don't mess with me, Mona. If you know something, spill it. And I was like, I don't know anything except for the name of the doctor and that you'll meet him tomorrow morning at 11. And he's like, you made an appointment? And he says, we're going as a couple. And she kind of like looks Emily up and down in her California shirt. And she's like, dress appropriately. And then she sets <laughs> the game phone back down and takes off. Oh, I love the just dismissive dress appropriately. Yeah. I'll bet Mona just loves fucking with Emily because Emily's such an easy target. Like, I feel like Spencer or Arya or Hannah would kind of like catch on to what Mona's doing at a certain point and kind of like mm-hmm. subvert her machinations. But Emily is like, she just takes everything at face value. And it's just like Mona can't help herself. She's so easy to poke, you know? Well, one by one, there's always a moment where they all will like step up and threaten her. <laughs> and I think whenever Hannah does it, she's hurt. Mm-hmm. Whenever Spencer does it, she's turned on. I don't know. She's maybe a little aroused. Whenever Arya does it, I think she's actually a little bit afraid. Whenever Emily does it, I almost want to say she's proud because remember, she made her yeah. the strong one. Proud and also <laughs> completely dismissive. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I mean, wouldn't you be if like you created that by <laughs> systematically manipulating somebody? <laughs> um, so we're at the Rurendo Brew. Oh, boy. Emily's like, uh, or, or Mona's like, Emily, don't you want to know where you get your anger issues from? Me. I did that. Let me let me tell you about, like, remind you about your, like, your Danby letter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> remember uh, your, like, hormone cream? <laughs> yeah, so cut to the rear window brew. Anna stabs a fork into a slice of cake there. They're in the liar nook. Uh, she's with Caleb. He's sitting next to her on the couch. And Caleb's just like, she isn't going to give you a polygraph test. You know, I realized just for whatever reason, the rotation, I keep getting the Caleb scenes. I don't want to like step on your, your game or anything here. I, it's a shame too, because I feel like this is when you should go like weapons free on the Ezra voice. All right, we'll take it away. Um, yeah. And so Hannah's just like, she doesn't have to her mother or my mother knows when I'm li- I'm lying when I'm talking in my sleep. Caleb's like, you don't talk in your sleep. And she's like, I do when I've lied to her. And Caleb's like, Hannah, you've covered your tracks. And she's like, really? Because I think I've, I feel like, I think I've made them worse. Sorry, I can't talk tonight. Dumping those receipts on the floor didn't make it look like an accident. These two are just loudly discussing their obstruction of justice in the middle of the brew. Yeah, yeah. Fury, Fury's like around the corner. Yeah. 
Fury's around the corner. He's just like, you guys aren't even making this hard. Fury's like, uh, he's he's planted the, uh, the like the microphone like behind the couch there. And like they start talking, he like he does that thing where he like he grabs his headphones and throws them off. Like ah, it's too loud, it's too loud. God, what are they doing? They're just shouting, they're screaming, they're screaming their confession at me. They've overloaded uh, the microphone. Damn it, foiled again. Oh, he like he thinks they're secret geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> nice play, so Rivers. Like, <laughs> Fury can't prove anything, and the important thing is that Spencer's mistake is gone. Um, and it's like, yeah, well, if she can make a mistake like that, what other stupid stuff have the rest of us done? And Caleb's like, hmm, hashtag hand stuff. And it's like, I don't, I didn't care that if they left my bracelet in that car. I, I, I tossed those shelves behind the shed and then just ran off. So we could get into that, but Ezra then comes over carrying two large coffee mugs. Like, a, it's the hardest thing in the world to do, and b, like he's never done it before. Well, it's like, it's like, oh, you're getting a special treatment here. Apparently. And Caleb's like, hey, Ezra. Ezra says, I come bearing gifts. <laughs> he sets the two so bugs he, down in front of them. Caleb dives in, takes the sieve, and he's like, mm, thanks. You have anything stronger? Ezra just fucking sits down across from him, totally not invited. And he's like, what are you stressed about? I'm the one whose best man may be coming down the aisle via Skype. And he buries his head in his hands like, oh, the, the hardships I have to deal with. They're so burdensome. Well, I, I wondered, though, I feel like you and I are both like, oh, man, Hardy stuck in New York slash like uh, uh, Toronto pretending to be a lawyer. <laughs> and like, I, I wonder curious if the show is implying if they that have, it's, it's if, Ezra's brother. If they have an Ezreal wedding, who's the best man? That's what I'm curious about, yeah. I would uh, think that you could probably get Patrick J. Adams for a quick scene. I feel like they have an in with him, yeah. I feel um, like we would have heard about that, or maybe they're keeping it a big secret. I don't know, because it's like, who the hell else would be his best man? I mean, like, Mr. Grab him by the brains, bro, other than him. I don't know who <laughs> no, else. No dialogue. Ezra has no friends. Like, like was Toby going to be his best man or something? We're not oh, friends. Shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're paying me after this, right? <laughs> I'm paying you in the experience. Um, Caleb says, does that mean he can wear half a tuxedo? <laughs> Ezra says, honestly, I just wanted to make a commitment to someone I love. And now it's about everybody else's agenda except mine. And Caleb's face is just like, look at this fucking tool. <laughs> Ezra says, wish we had gone with sandals and gelatos just a private ceremony for two in a perfect tuscan village oh my god i hate ezra so much this asshole just came over and interrupted their private conversation to bitch and moan about not getting his own selfish elopement the way he wanted it god he's so here's my here's my theory Mm -hmm. one night years ago in that tiny little studio apartment of his him and aria fell asleep in bed watching tv and like aria not only fell asleep like on his arm but like also on the remote. So like Ezra was stuck with whatever's on TV. And like for some reason they played like that Diane Lane movie. <laughs> and Ezra's just like Under the Tuscan Sun. Yeah. Okay. Sandals and gelatos. That's the way to go. That's Ridley Scott, right? Ridley Scott? Didn't he direct that? Under the Tuscan Sun. Oh no, Sun? I'm, I'm thinking oh. of a different movie that takes place in Tuscany. Sorry, it's a there's a Russell Crowe movie where a it's good like, year. You're it's a very similar plot line, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't mock me. 
That would have been a fascinating movie, I'm sure. <laughs> and then the facehugger jumps on whoever Diane Lane's love interest is. Um, yeah, so the relish as Ezra's dream dies behind his eyes. And so Hannah's like, wait, so who are the two? Did we just get disinvited? Yeah, before um, Ezra can let them know that they were never invited to the elopement, uh, Arya walks into the brew. Uh, they all look over at her, and Arya kind of forces a fake smile for Ezra, and she walks over, and Ar- Ar- Ezra's just like, hey, sunshine. Which, don't ever call Arya that again, Fitz. And Arya's like, hi. And he's like, have you eaten? And Arya says, oh, I'm not really hungry. I think I'm just going to go upstairs. It's been a really long day. Sorry, guys. Good night. And Arya kind of looks at Hannah here. There's no smile return. Like, Hannah's like, just still watching her closely. Like, she's her radar is up right now. And so Arya walks upstairs and Ezra, just like a total fucking tool here. He just, he's got to like score some little pity points for himself. He's like, that, my friends, is what a happy bride looks like. <laughs> like, oh, thanks for the sage wisdom, you gigantic ass. Well, is he being, is he being serious or is he being self-deprecating? Who is he self-deprecating though? He's like self-deprecating for Arya, right? I- I but I but if if okay, so if Arya is legitimately going through something and Ezra notices, it's about Ezra, right? <laughs> Especially if there's witnesses. But he's it's not all performative. He's not self-deprecating. He's deprecating Arya. <laughs> it's just like oh, like what a pill she's being, basically. Hmm. But I mean, by by bringing that up though, I feel like he's making it about himself. He's I think he's adding it as an addendum to like the sandals and gelatas dream well, the, is over. The hardship that he has too, yeah. God, yeah, I hate him. So I feel, I feel like this scene continues on one of two ways. Both would start with like a like a ten second beat, to which either Caleb says, "Ezra, you can go now. We got the coffee." Um, I think or, it, I think he just says, "We're not friends, douchebag." <laughs> or Ezra's like, "By the way, what does Arthur do all day? <laughs> Why is she coming home exhausted?" Uh, oh he's the worst anyways cut to it's the next day speaking of the worst (laughs) yeah mona and emily's fertility appointment they're holding hands or or really rather mona is holding emily's indifferent hand as they talk to the doctor here and mona says it's been a long journey for us and we talked about having a child our first date didn't we em and emily's just like um yeah and Mona's like really trying to like sell this cover story for the doctor. Emily is just like looking around, just broadcasting how bored she is, how much she hates this idea. Meanwhile, this doctor's like 14 years old. Yeah. He looks super young. Yeah. So these three children standing on top of each other's shoulders in a white lab coat say, have you discussed which one of you would uh, like to carry the child? <laughs> At the same time, Mona's like, she will. And Emily's like, Mona will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mona laughs this off. Emily just like kind of gives her a bitchy sneer. Like, holy fuck, Emily, can you like try even a little here? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, she can't. Yeah. And Mona says, Well, we were actually hoping that you would help us make that choice, Dr. Hammond. And Doctor's like, I, I can't do that. Mo says, Oh, well, we're not talking about any meeny miny mo, just more of an informed medical decision. And Doc is like, okay, well, have either of you ever been pregnant before? Mona says, no. And meanwhile, Emily's like staring off into space. Mona's like, answer the question, hon. Emily's like, uh, no. 
And he starts, doctor starts writing stuff down. He's like, oh, good. And Mona's looking over at the degrees on the wall. She's like, wow, you sure have a lot of schools. Uh, you, I'm sorry, you sure went to a lot of schools for someone, somebody so young. No wonder you came so highly recommended. And he's like, oh, who referred to you? And Mona says, Allison Rollins. And then Emily says, you may know her as Allison De Laurentiis. And we get this like supreme close up on the doctor's eyes. Like, oh, shit. Like that name <laughs> definitely rang a bell. And it's like Mona, of course, senses this like obvious tell and she's going to drop the pretense and just pounce now. She's like, I understand you're willing to work for an unusual arrangement. All cash, no questions asked. And this doctor looks like he just wants to slide out of his own skin. He says, OK, I'm not sure why you're here, but I don't think it's for the right reasons. <laughs> Mona, yeah. Mona says people do things for all sorts of reasons, don't they? I'm sure you had yours, rapist. And the doctor's <laughs> like, yeah, I think you need to find another doctor. And he stands up and points to the door like, for them to leave. And Mona just raised her eyebrows and like turns to a pissed off Emily. I'm surprised Emily didn't like come over the desk at this guy at this point. That's when the three kids on each other's shoulders disband and all run out separate doors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy's he's, he's a rapist, right? I mean, he, if he's the uh, one who did the procedure... Yeah, it's it's without a doubt a violation. I mean, he's, you know, acting on someone else's request or whatever, but he's still the one doing it. Yeah, this guy's a total piece of shit. Well, like, you're in a mental hospital, for starters. Even if somebody else has, what would the thing be, like, power of attorney or whatever, it's like, your patient's unconscious and you're, like, artificially inseminating them. Well, when you're being That's paid weird. cash to do this in the middle of the night, yeah, it's obviously not yeah. on the up and up. That's super duper weird. <laughs> it's it's definitely ethically, like, nuts. Um, yeah. But also, this guy is, you know, hasn't been through puberty yet, so he may be new to things. Um, meanwhile, out in the, the Donald woods, Trump defense, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just you're very new, he doesn't know what ethics are. Um, you know, he's 70. Um, Hannah's like walking up to, I don't know, like a supply cabin for a national park or something. She gets up to like, like dusty old window, she's like kind of like rubbing the dust off the window, like checking inside, trying to get a better view. And then suddenly, like a black glove hand like lands on her like shoulder, spins her around, jump scare. It's just this like old park ranger, and he's just like, "Can I help you?" And Hannah's just like, "Oh shit!" And um, it's a nice little jump scare because you're not really expecting it. Like the timing doesn't make you think something's gonna happen like this, and so like uh, it's there's, it's an effect of like, "Whoa!" There's some very interesting like inserts in this episode. Mm-hmm. So there's the uh, when Peter yells, "That's what you get when you let a lunatic in this house." There's that weird like camera angle where it's like down by like his waist like looking up at him as he yells at the women um again the insert of the doctor's eyes i, just, <laughs> I don't feel like we've ever seen like that kind of shot in pll before uh, and then you, getting close in the uh shadow play episode i think Arya's eyes true true when Arya gets the secret about mm-hmm. allison being alive from ezra <laughs> and that ladies and gentlemen this is a surprise fiance um but yeah then you just the 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 timing of this jump scare um it's interesting stuff uh so but it's always interesting to me too when you have those kind of things and you have like one of the writer slash directors not just like a writer and a different director Mm -hmm. yeah they Um, do a little bit extra 
So then we're in an elevator um, outside in the doctor's office somewhere. Emily hits a button. We see that she and Mona are going down. Blocking, of course, <laughs> is interesting. Like Mona's closer to the doors. Emily's like leaning to the back, just like doesn't even want to stand next to Mona. That's how how much of like a defeatist like downer she is. And she's like, well, that was a stupid idea. And Mona's just like, some ideas take a little longer to execute than others, Emily. And it's like, like kind of a nice double meaning possibility in that line. Well, think fuck for Mona, who like doesn't even like take Emily's like shit to mm-hmm. heart. So she just kind of pulls like a casually pulls a rolled up issue of a magazine that she swiped fertility now from her purse. Emily's like, oh, you stole that? And Ramona's like, mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what's that supposed to tell us? And Mona's like kind of studying it. And she's just like his home address. Baby Doc forgot to peel off the mailing label. I doubt this is the most personal piece of mail he gets. And then she glances back over to Emily over her shoulder. We get this great segue where she's just like, we're going to do some digging. Mona's very Um, excited there. I really wish Emily weren't so determined to like pour cold water on all this sexual tension here. Like Mona is just putting these scenes on her back and Emily's flopping around like a dead fish. I think it was last season or maybe the season before where there was a brief moment. It was whenever like one of the new seasons was starting and we got the thing where it's like, oh, Emily's going to get a new girlfriend. And I had said, like, oh, I hope oh, it's yeah, Mona. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And everyone's like, fuck that, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, Mona has chemistry with everyone. There is, like, almost no character, <clears throat> Lucas, that I would, like, not ship Mona with. Just cuz. Yeah, we are not mucus shippers. Uh, what the <laughs> fuck is that even name? I mean, it's, it's not even cool. Like, arson. <laughs> or Cashly. Yeah, so back at the... Uh, or more the- like Smashly, if you know what I mean. Mm. Back at the park cabin in the woods, the park ranger says, look, lady, I don't mind calling you a tow truck, but I don't have any shovels. And Hannah's just like, how is that possible? They're like in front of like a wheelbarrow with a bunch of garden tools. Uh, yeah. So Hannah's like, how's that possible? How do you plant a tree without a shovel? And he's like, I don't plant trees. It's a different department. But if your vehicle skidded off the road, maybe we could find something else. And she's like, no, I just need a shovel. And he's like, I'm sorry. They took him. And then Hannah's eyes like widening in concern. She's like, who? What do you mean took them? And Park Ranger says, well, they were confiscated. I mean, they could have been used in a crime or something. They're running tests. I like how like shovels are just like these dangerous illegal paraphernalia in Rosewood. Like you just got to watch out when you find one of those. Yeah. And so he starts like digging in the wheelbarrow and he pulls out a wooden board and he's like, so we can find something else here. Uh, Hey, how about this? Oh, try wedging it this beneath your wheel, and and he like he looks up. Hannah's gone. She's Batmaned out of there. She's or a ghost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like she's like no shovels, no tree planting. What do you even do out here? And he's like baking the cake. <laughs> yeah. So then we go. And it's great though. Whenever you just like put her with these weird like minor info dump scenes with yeah, like yeah. just normal people, <laughs> just have her weird reactions. Yeah. Uh, so back in Spencer's barn, she's moving a box of books over to like her desk in there or something. I guess she brought these over from the main house and she opens a box up and oh, there's that phone that Aria planted inside of it. How convenient. And she kind of looks at it for a moment and then she unlocks the screen. You see there's an audio file player that's still open. So she hits play and we hear those recordings again. You know, why are you calling me here? You know why I'm calling you. You thought you could pin this on me. Mary's saying, I could pin a lot on you, Peter. And Peter's saying, I think burying a dead body in my yard is plenty. And we see a shot of Spencer through the barn windows. She's kind of realizing what this is, what it could mean. 
some handy evidence too. Well, I also think like part of Spencer, I think should, I don't know, put two and two together. This wouldn't be a, cause well, at least old a wouldn't have like a phone. Like old a would have like hacked into the, uh, the Bluetooth speakers, like by some other means, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Um, so I mean, that once the damage is done, does it does it matter? You know, I don't know, but I mean, I feel like you never really, f- they never really like found like these kind of small ephemeral like a things like that, um, in the past. Which you know, AD is kind of shown that they're not always up to snuff with a. But then again, the game board. Um. Oh, so got we got helpers running around doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. True. We're at Ezra's place. Uh, Arya's there. We gotta talk about the fashion now. I know we see more of it later, but also, but not just the fashion. Real quick, she steps down like around a corner and comes down those stairs in the loft at Ezra's place. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, that she's just coming in from offset, but like, it's like the stairs go up on a little like landing platform and then down again as it curves around a hallway. Like, what the hell is the design of this place? This is what you get. When you have like a teen contractor yeah. finish it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Arya's got like, by the way, I've lived here for like, I don't know, a couple of weeks now, maybe a month or two. I haven't found the bathroom yet. Arya's got her hair up and a cute little ponytail there. She's got a long sleeve black blouse on with like little neon like sketch drawings of cats all over it. Um, and yeah. then she's got like burgundy jeans and like leopard print vans basically it's uh it's yeah. quite the look for Arya. yeah that shirt is covered in memories um yeah so owen her guilty conscience was ringing spencer on the phone so uh we hear spencer pick up and say hey and Arya's like oh you picked up where have you been i've called you like five times on her end of the call in the barn we see spencer is like sitting there like near the couch like staring at that burner phone and she's like i know i just and Arya's like What's wrong? Which is like, I'm staring at a burner phone that was in a box that basically just blew up my whole family. I'm thinking, I, I think I'm, I'm taking a turn at the game without knowing it. And Arya kind of winces at this. And she's like, wait, what happened with your family? Which says, my dad might have had more to do with Mrs. D's death than we thought. My mom's a wreck. They both think that Mary Drake made this special delivery. And Arya's like, is that what you think? And Spencer's like, I don't know what to think. I, I just... Mary wrote this letter that makes me cry every time I look at it. I mean, how can this be the same person? It just can't be. I mean, I'm going to tell my mom um, about the game. It's a little bit of grist for the, uh, maybe Jessica's the one that's still alive mail there. Or various mm. other, like, switcheroo theories. It's like, how can this be the same person type thing? I don't, I don't know why Spencer's more concerned that her mom might have, like, set up this phone situation and not that her mom murdered someone, but, you know. <laughs> one of them. One of those outcomes is just rude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's like, I'm going to tell my mom about the game. I have to. And Arya's like, no, don't. Just don't tell your parents anything. We may be a lot closer than you think. Just give Mona a chance to figure this out. Spencer's just like, Mona? 19 question marks? We're going to wait for Mona to save us? She'd rather see us behind bars. Which, pause, where is that supported in the text? Well, I, I mean, Spencer doesn't trust Mona, basically. <laughs> I don't know but why I mean, she doesn't, like, but... Yeah, but like, when has Mona ever been like, you're going to jail, bitch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Spencer is, <laughs> she's 
succumb to the sickness that that Allison once had, where her actions make no sense because for some reason she really cares about this new family member she discovered. But also she's like feeling her topa. Maybe. Could be that too. Um so Arya's like, she saved us before, Spencer, like a thousand times. And behind Arya, Ezra comes in. So Arya's kind of like finishing up and she's like, just don't tell your mother anything. I think talking about it might make it worse. But listen, I, I got to go. So Arya hangs up. And Spencer on her side just like tosses the phone over to the couch, like not giving a fuck about anything right now. I mean, Ezra definitely um, heard that last bit about, uh, you know, talking about it might make it worse. Um, on Spencer's side, do you think she knows? I think she at least strongly suspects. That's Arya? Yeah. Yeah, I really wonder. And also, like, Arya called Spencer here. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, from Spencer's perspective, why did you call me, Arya? Well, also, this is the sixth call. So I think that might in itself been, like, independent confirmation of Spencer's theory, like, knowing Arya's guilt. Mm-hmm. Oh, because Arya called um, her doesn't really offer a reason as to why she needed to talk to her. And then it's like, I got to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think the way Spencer just tosses that phone aside, I think she at least suspects right now. I mean, yeah, that, well, that call Spencer didn't do anything being, to dissuade her. Yeah. But Spencer being Spencer, if she does suspect Arya, she's going to go ahead and say, like, yeah, your, your, your devious plan worked. Thanks. <laughs> well, she might keep it to herself. Um, I don't know. Anyway, back in the loft. Ezra kind of walks over to Arya. She tucks the phone in her back pocket and he's like, are you okay? Who was that? And Arya's like, uh, Spencer. And he just kind of stares at her for a bit. He, he knows something isn't right. So he pulls out his phone because he's got a real terrible idea. He says, can, can <laughs> I try and change your mood? I think I may have found a song for our first dance. And so he puts on, I guess he said this was Light Me Up by Ingrid yeah. Mickelson. Michelson, yeah. Michelson, sure. Yeah. And he sets the phone on the counter and he kind of turns around with his arms out like he wants to waltz now. And Arya's just like, please don't make me dance right now. He's like, okay, okay, fine. We'll, we'll sway. Okay, is that is that what it is? Because I, I just took it as he's just like, ta-da. No, no. <laughs> it's like he, song. like he wants to dance. Um, I just want to say real quick, this song is fine but like it's funny because on the same album there's a song called hell no which really been a much better new official ezria jam anyway sorry Continue. yeah i don't know what the like the, the ultimate like ezria not, jam would be but why not like b23 b26 you mean whatever gold falafel mm-hmm. like why not b26 <laughs> so yeah aria doesn't want to dance and he's like okay okay fine we'll sway and he's like just doing some more kind of like hand jiving, moving his arms around. Arya is so uninterested. He's like, or j- just listen. And she can't even look him in the eye. And Ezra, the most perceptive man in the universe, is picking up on this. And he's just like, you hate it. And Arya's like, no, no, it's sweet. I like it. It's just, and he's like, have reservations about everything else. And it's kind of like snaps Arya out of her funk, like enough to pay attention to him. She's like, what? And he's like, let's be honest. Arya, I know that you were whispering on the phone, or I know what you were whispering on the phone with Spencer. There are things that have been done that can't be undone and can't be forgiven. And like in this moment, if she's really wondering, like, oh, does he know about the eighth stuff? Like, I, I, that's mm-hmm. my read on this is like, she's like, oh my God, does he know? 
And Ezra, he grabs a phone, he turns the song off, and he sets it down. And Ari's like really on edge now, like just waiting to be accused. He says, you still have doubts about me, about whether you can trust me or not? And it's just like, nope. Like Ari just like closed her eyes like, oh, God damn it, you're such a clueless tool. And Ari's like, Ezra, and he's just like, no, no, I, I get it. Maybe there's some part of you that has never forgiven me for taking advantage of you and your friends for the sake of a dumb book. Uh, it's part of all of us, Ezra. And Arya's just like, look, Ezra, that's not. And he's just like, I wish that I could change history, but I can't. I fell in love with you, Arya. And this is where we are now. And I truly believe that we are stronger for having weathered these storms. Don't you? Uh. And she doesn't say anything. She just hugs him instead. But she's kind of like looking off wide eyed over his shoulder. Uh, like, I think she was really maybe even hoping that her her deceptions were over there that she was going to get called out. But uh, that's what you get for relying on Ezra for your salvation. Just a lesson in of sadness. The, it's about him. Even mm-hmm. his like, most dreadful acts. Yeah. Uh, it is funny that they're, they're bringing up the statutory rate thing. They brought up the mm-hmm. book. Like I, I just wonder what, what is the motivation here? Is this, here's one last lampshade to put on this whole thing to make Ezra smooth sailing. Or is this like freeform demands this romance, but we're going to get our shots in, you know? Well, like, so I can't remember who, what publication did it. There was that like right before seven B started, there was mm-hmm. like that oral history article Yeah, yeah. where Ian Harding made sure to bring this shit up. And so I kind of wondered if like, like Lucy Hale marched into the writer's room and she's like, I want Ari to be dark for at least a little bit this season. And they're like, you got it, kid. And then like she comes back and like boasts about, hey, everyone, I never thought I could do this. And I could do it. And Ian Harding is like, <laughs> marches in the writer's room. <laughs> He's like, I have the guiltiest of consciences. <laughs> the show cannot end without me like being crucified because what a scene. I could play it so well. Um, I don't know. It's fascinating. But you're, I, I could be wrong about this. But I feel like Ezra's horrible on a variety of reasons. Does oh, he, he am I misreading this or forgetting this? Like, does he not he knows about her part in the 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 Rick thing, right? No, he does not. I'm pretty sure. Didn't she didn't she bring that up to him when they were talking about when they were looking at flights in that one scene? And he's like, It's not like you're gonna be arrested, and he like pauses and like, Are you gonna be arrested or whatever? Like Well no, but that was like a joke though. I think I don't know. I, mean, I can go thought, back to research, thought, like, but I'm screen, pretty sure he doesn't know. I thought off screen it was implied that she had informed him about the hit and run, 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 hmm. um, which would make him even more horrible for like never once being concerned with. I'm pretty how sure she's he doesn't doing. know. Okay. Because um, I mean, their whole like him, skipping country to elope and whatnot that was not motivated by any of that. That was like completely no, separate. no, no. But he, but you know, Ezra being like, "Well, you just murdered a guy. You know what you need? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a European vacation, like that Diane Lane movie that I watched." Um, yeah, I kind of wonder if part of the shittiness that Arya, or the extra shittiness that Arya is feeling, is not just betraying her friends, but now she's having to like walk a quarter of a mile in Ezra's shoes with like the skulking around and doing it basically a shit to them. Well, um, seemingly, what they're presenting is that. The one thing Arya doesn't have doubts about is her relationship with Ezra right now. It's just everything else is bad, and that's like leaking into this relationship. Or, or maybe there's just some subtext there that she's not putting together for herself, you know? Yeah. Um, 
which you would think this would be motivation to go fess up to her friends. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's I, a tough. I, I feel like if he's if he's owning up to some of the shit he's done, she could be like BT dubs, you know, when I trash the Ezra, fuck out of he, your apartment. He's not owning anything. He's just saying like this well, made us stronger. Well, as people are, where she's like, okay, you introduced this into the uh, <laughs> the discovery here, BT dubs. Back when I trashed your apartment, like I've almost filed this report against you. You know about that. I'm not afraid about you finding out. I'm going to go handle some things to disappear for 15 hours again. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, Spencer cut to her walking out of the Hastings compound at night, coming out through the Sally port there, going over to her car, but then, oh, there's another car park, uh, car parked nearby with its lights on. She kind of looks back and stops. The other car turns the engine off and car door opens and Marco Fury gets out. Spencer's watching warily as he kind of like slams his door shut and saunters over like all pretense of their friendship is gone right now. And Spencer says, I'm sorry. When do we go from dating to stalking? Just imagine if this scene took place on the docks covered in fog, both of them wearing trench coats and fedoras and also was black and white. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Marco says, I'm here to do a follow up. And Spencer's like more questions. He says, it's my job. Spencer says, so why are we in the middle of the streets instead of down at the station? And Marco says, I thought you might be embarrassed. I hadn't realized until I spoke with Hannah's mother the other night that you and Kayla Rivers had ever been more than friends. That's interesting that Ashley Marin shared that information. <laughs> like, how did that go down? She's like, yeah, Caleb, he was dating my daughter. And then I think he fucked that Spencer girl for a while. But now he's back with my daughter. Well, like... Does she legitimately not know that Caleb is back together? She's <laughs> she been gone must. that long. Yeah, I don't know. That's good. She, I mean, they text. We've seen them text, so she must know. Okay. I don't. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe Spencer or Hannah would keep the secret, but I feel like it's been a while. Uh, anyway, so mm-hmm. Spencer says, "Why would that be embarrassing?" And Marco says, "Was he the reason that you stopped me that night, or stopped with me that night in the elevator at the rally?" Spencer's like, what relevance does that have? And he says, he'd have a strong mode to protect you, wouldn't he? Spencer says, I really hope you're not having a hard time separating what's personal from what's professional, Detective Fury. Given that I know how much value sticking to the letter, how much you value sticking to the letter of the law. And you can kind of see him mentally like give up on this line of questioning. She sees it too. She's like, I have to go. And so she walks back to her car and he's just like, I'm just curious. Did your interest in me have anything to do with you suddenly needing a cop in your corner? And Spencer's like, if you have anything real to ask me, you can do it in your office under fluorescent lights. And I promise you, it will not be me who's embarrassed. <laughs> Playing to win. And also, she did not know you were a cop when you first met, asshole. True, true. Uh, so she stands by her car door and just like stares him down until he gets in his car and drives off. Uh, then she gets inside her SUV and has just started the engine when, holy fuck, Mary Drake just popped up from the backseat and covers Spencer's mouth with a black gloved hand. She's like, drive. So they drive off together. I kind of wish we had watched this like actually on TV because it would have been fascinating if this like went straight into like a car commercial. People like driving in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's got to suck logistically though. Like you're waiting in someone's backseat to spook them for who knows how long and then like they start having a conversation right outside the car with, with, with the a fucking cop. cop yeah who's looking for you uh, i mean marco here is interesting like at first it seemed like spencer 
in the last episode is like trying to play on his emotions and it's like that's a bad move spencer and it's not working but mm-hmm. i feel like maybe it's starting to pay off a little now now that the investigation's leading to him like to caleb and he, he only kind of looks more suspect like poking his nose into her personal life now um and he can't yeah. help but feel used at the same time like i think it's i mean it's maybe not the greatest strategy of spencer's but i think it's starting to work a little well, she's she's pointed out whatever path he takes to unraveling the mystery of Spencer, she will burn his career along that path. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the problem with Marco that I have is um, it's three episodes before the end of the show. No matter what scene she's in, Troyan is always the star, and so it's like it's we're never really like feeling his dilemma as much as we could you know like this could be a really like torturous scene for him as he pursues yeah, this and like I mean, it's, maybe it, he has feelings or whatever but like it's not the rosewood cop show it's a pll show you know tr- exactly exactly and so i feel like there's a whole interesting drama there on a different show that might have a few more seasons to explore it but like for this poor guy <laughs> it's like buddy this isn't going to end well for you one way or another um so after the commercial, Spencer Card pulls into the Lost Woods lot. Uh, signs working again. And off screen, we hear Mary say, park here. We can talk inside. So inside the car, Mary's like released Spencer and is like just like chilling ominously in that backseat. And Spencer's like, why can't we talk out here? Mary's like, please, let's go inside. Spencer's like, new Mary voice, just, huh? Do I? Yeah. It's like deeper. I guess I'm just operating. I guess I'm masculine. operating under the... Hmm. I guess I'm operating the theory that Mary's like a low key vampire. Okay. Like all of her flashbacks were like pre vampire bite and all of this present day's post. You know, so just like, I'm just more comfortable out here. And Mary sighing says, how sad that's me. You're frightened of such so as like, well, can you give me a reason not to be? She turns around to look at Mary and holds up the phone that she found. The one that Ari left in her house. And she's like, why did you plant this in my house? Mary's like, I didn't leave that in your house, but I'm not sorry you heard it. She's like, so you know what's on here? Mary's like, I do. I overheard it while I was waiting to see you. I didn't know it was being recorded at the time. The hospital must have done that. They did lots of heinous things. She's like, yeah, well, what about you? Possibly you did a few heinous things yourself. And Mary's like, don't judge. (laughs) Don't judge. And then she says, you'd be surprised at the things you have to do sometimes to protect yourself all right before we get to this flashback i just have a couple comments here for one she said claims that she overheard this when she was waiting outside the house that was a day ago like there's a night has passed like has she just been skulking out there the whole time um how long has she been in the backseat of that car (laughs) yeah it's very convenient for her to have overheard it yeah secondly like why would the hospital record that? Like, was she in Radley? Like, why? Yeah, if, I think she was in Radley. If, why are you calling me here? Yeah. If Radley did record it, why didn't they go to the police or something? Like, like oh, you just got people talking about a murder online. Eh, whatever. Well, maybe um, they just record every, like, outgoing call or incoming call to, to um, patients. Eh, I don't know. I feel like more likely, like, Cece had, like, the phone staffed or something recorded herself. Like, that's the kind of thing that Cece would have in her files. Uh, anyway, Mary says, well, but if she's been in that backseat for a long time, at some point on that drive, that she just hand Spencer like a very 
warm coffee cup and she's like please pour that out mm-hmm. so she's like oh is this fresh coffee and mary's like not coffee it's not coffee yeah anyways we're gonna flash back to an indeterminate time probably late in season four mary is walking into the hastings living room with peter behind her and she's looking around the place and she's like where are they and peter says veronica took the girls to new york for the weekend and Mary just kind of snorts and non-amusement. And she's like blinking away tears. And she's like, thank you for just letting me in. And she walks around and we see like this sly grin spread over Peter Hastings' face in the background there. He says, well, take a good look. Since the last time you'll ever be allowed in here. And Mary looks back. She's confused. And he's like, you'll never see Spencer. Ever. And that's the kind of thing you say to someone before you execute them. Like, I'm loving this from Peter Hastings right here. Mary's just like, please. Well, this has to be, well, this has to be after she snuck into Spencer's bedroom and pretended to be Jessica, though, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. He I mean, seemed very surprised, like he hadn't seen her a long time in that flashback. That yeah. 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 Or, so or it's after this, and he's like, but I told you that would be the last time. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. 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 So Mary's saying, please don't say that. She's one of the few good things I've ever done. Don't rob me. And Peter's like, what was the good part? You tricking me into thinking you were Jessica? You only did that to punish her and take her down, take me down with her. You're not taking Spencer. And Mary's like, you want to know what's punishing? Who do you think signed the papers that put me in a, into a straitjacket? I feel like I'm also in the Grunwald here. Um, so just then we hear the door creaking open behind Mary and she kind of looks back and oh shit, it's Jessica De Laurentiis. Jessica who's smiling until she sees Mary. Like, way to go, Mrs. D. There's like a million windows into this living room. How did you not see that Mary was in here? Jessica's yeah. like, what are you doing here? And Mary just kind of like, this is like sucks in her breath. She's looking scared now. And Jessica looks at Peter and she says, I thought we were taking care of this. Peter's being like nonchalant as fuck about all this. Like, Come on, Jessica. Like, first you show up, and then you basically all but admit that you're conspiring with Peter to kill Mary, like, right in front of her. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. might as well have been like, I thought you were going to murder her. What are you doing? Why is she still alive? What is the likely... Well, what do you think happens right after this? Uh, Mary leaves, I guess. Okay, but it's not like they struggle and, like, shove pills in her mouth or try to... Or no, whatever. no, no. I don't think so. I just, I feel like, I just want to point out, Peter's entire family is out of town for the weekend. He's got two identical twin sisters here. And he's just like, ladies, since we're here. So that's where your mind went. Okay. Yeah, that's where my mind went. This is Peter Hastings. After tonight, (laughs) we can't be seen together again. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Get the flag. The the only person that can screw this up is is us. Mm -hmm. Um, Who's the Kevin Bacon in that scenario? Uh, Caleb, what's up? Full dog. Yeah, he's not. I mean, just like age range wise, I'm just thinking like of the adults, you know, like Byron, maybe. Yeah, sure, sure. Chad Lowe pops out of that shower. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we in the flash. So it's wild things, by the way, in case you, <laughs> like a lot of PLL fans, you've never. No, heard no, of that no. Movie you you never say the reference. But first of all, everyone who's listening to this podcast should have seen Wild Things. That's a classic Absolutely. film. So Spencer says, classic. those pills that stopped your sister's heart, they were meant to stop yours. And Mary's like, we shared the same DNA, the same medical conditions. Spencer says, and my father. And Mary's like, supply Jessica 
I'm totally doing the groan while you uh, <laughs> supplied Jessica with the medication, but I intercepted them. Uh, finally, for once, I stepped out of her shadow and stood up to my bully. So Jessica poisoned herself due to like the old switcheroo, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the how iodine you, powder. How do you fuck that up, Mrs. D? <laughs> Oopsie doopsie, I... I've accidentally murdered myself. <laughs> I don't know who responded to my joke. I apologize, but like on Twitter, someone pointed out Mary's just been building up a tolerance to iocane powder this whole time, mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks to her apprenticing of the dread pirate Robert. Well, after the, the after that awkward encounter in the flashback, there, Jessica's like, anyway, Mary, you need to get out of town. By the way, I picked up your prescription from the doctor for your blood pressure medication. Uh, here, take these. <laughs> seriously take one right now while i watch <laughs> i mean if you're married uh, i i just i feel like i'm not taking another one of my own pills till i'm sure you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. way to go mary or not mary i'm sorry jessica jessica fucked that up entirely <laughs> she took the poison herself uh, anyway, I just I just thought a couple episodes ago. Oh, of course we're not going to get the scene of her actually like killing her, burying her, because that's just going to be a logistical nightmare with two Andrea Parkers. I was so glad, you know, with camera trickery to see the two of them pop up in the scene. Well, it even it wouldn't have even like it would have been like Jessica's like maybe like walking to her car, taking some pills, or like it wouldn't be that you wouldn't even need both characters in the shot. You know, like, no, when you know really, how, but... how long these pills take to, you know, have an effect. Yeah. Anyway, Mary... this, this is perfect, though, because it's so vague. <laughs> it's yeah. all off screen. It works. Yeah. Mary says, I've been cheated out of so much, Spencer. Most of all, knowing you. And she kind of leans forward. She's trying to be tender now, even though she just admitted to murdering her sister. And Mary says, do you want to change that? Would you consider staying with me? I survived pretty well underneath the radar. It'll be like a like a second chance for us. And she's getting all whimsical. Spencer's facing forward again, like kind of back in reality. So Mary kind of switches tacks here. She's like, and you have that detective breathing down your neck. Wouldn't it be nice to finally be free? How does she know about that? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Cool shot of the side view mirror. We see kind of Mary looming over Spencer's shoulder. And then Spencer kind of at the end of the shot looks right at the mirror, like at the camera, kind of wary. They're just two heads, like floating in a shroud of darkness she might know because so he came to the lost woods resort two episodes ago after waiting 58 minutes outside mm, okay yeah 59 minutes maybe know, she overheard mary, that too conveniently yeah maybe that's mary's superpower other than being a vampire uh, is that she can uh, overhear every conversation she needs to mm-hmm. um it's funny what she offers her here because it's like would you like to uh constantly be on the run rather than being like a, a you, wealthy person. Would you like to be a yeah. creepy witchy woman like me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let, me, let me give you my hot take on Mary here. I don't okay. trust her at all. Like this is all way too convenient for Mary. Like the original Mary Drake file at Radley was just left out for Spencer to find when they initially found it. Right. Mm-hmm. Then, then Mary reveals herself. She claims victimhood. Uh, she reveals that Spencer is her daughter and implicates Peter in Jessica's death, all to t- tear the Hastings family apart. And here she is now. Just, oh, I'll, I'll hide you away just when the heat is closing in on you. Like, this is 
so convenient for her. It, it really seems like the kind of thing that AD would engineer for you if like you were helping them out. But it's not AD though, right? You don't think she's AD? No, but AD could be helping her. You know, like if Mary already seems to have been somewhat working for AD at times in the past, like with uh-huh. the whole emoji situation back then and the, the kidnapping mm-hmm. of Hannah and all that sort of stuff. Like there's a lot to suggest that she has been helping AD in the past. And so who's to say she isn't still. See, I think exactly. I think the kind of like a writer planning a plot thread, AD is probably responsible for leaving out that file because that just seems like a perfect like cog to throw in the works to like keep characters spinning over and worrying about that. Um, because presumably Mona would have found AD a lot sooner if it weren't like shit for like Mary Drake or Spencer might even found her sooner if it weren't for like Mary Drake obsessing or like occupying her Mm. mind every second. I don't, I don't think AD was doing that as a distraction. I think very specifically AD wanted Spencer to find that to connect her to Mary. Like, I feel like it's, it's for Mary's benefit. Maybe, but then Mary's getting everything she wants right now. That would be helped by the letter, which AD introduced. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. But like, I think... Mar- Mary's getting everything she wants right now. Everything has gone according to what her plan would theoretically be if she wanted to take Spencer away from her family. True, but I mean, it just means that letting Mary be Mary is like something for the liars to play with, especially Spencer. Um, all engineered by AD. Because I don't think you can necessarily control Mary, but you can certainly guide her like a pinball machine. Well, I mean, um, Mary was at the trap they set at the Lost Woods. Mary was there on the route that when Hannah escaped from being kidnapped, like, I don't know. I, I do not trust Mary at all. I think Spencer is a fool to trust her. I, I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, she's kind of learned not to, but we'll see. Hmm. It's the Hannah, that like, kidnapping and torture. That That's the thing that really throws me. Like, is that... Are we implying? Do we get from the start of season seven that that was like Rick doing that to her? Oh, uh, well, we don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, back. Think, yeah. Sorry, back at the okay, Casa Ezra here. Arya's rubbing her brow. She's wiping her nose. She's more stressed than ever. And then her phone buzzes. New text. And from off screen, we hear Ezra call out as she's checking her phone. Ezra's like, "Do you want butter on the popcorn?" <laughs> text from ad says nice job with the h-bomb you've shown your true colors ad and Ezra's like aria she's too busy for your popcorn asshole so then we're gonna go over to luke's loft caleb is setting a small table for three when hannah bursts through the door to screaming her head off as she does in season seven caleb's just like hey where have you been you didn't answer any of my texts and hannah's like my phone died i tried all the way over here for nothing or i'm sorry i drove all the way over there for nothing I mean, Fury already has those shovels and God knows what else. And she goes right to the fridge to get herself some fancy water. And Caleb's just like, Hannah, like he's trying to get her to chill. He keeps looking back at the bedroom because like obviously someone else is here. And mm-hmm. Hannah's just like, I spent the last four hours getting Lucas's car detailed. There's no way they're not. They're going to find anything in there. I made him vacuum the ceiling and I made him clean the seatbelt with a Q-tip. And then Caleb's just like, Hannah. And then Ashley Marin makes her entrance from the back room. She's like, hello, stranger. Hannah gasps. She's smiling and she comes over to hug her mom. Hannah just screaming out all this information that Ashley's filing away, I'm sure. 
And so Hannah's like, Mom, oh my God, I miss you so much. Um, they smile at each other. Caleb like waits in the back like a good boy. And he's like, um, I ordered some food to pick up from from He says Arias here, which is like confused no, the fuck he, out of me. It doesn't say Arias. He says a different restaurant. No, um, he doesn't. Trust me, I listen to it over and over. He might, maybe he says Arios, but it sure sounds a lot like Arias. Yeah, I remember when we watched the episode, it's like a new restaurant, but it's not Arias. But um, he's like, but your mom brought a really nice bottle of wine. Should we open that? And she's like, of course. <laughs> um, he shifts <laughs> right back to Hannah um, because she definitely heard all that shouting. And now she's like, why were you detailing Lucas's car? And Hannah's like, uh, it's been kind, kind of in my office on wheels, you know, making deliveries, picking up fragrant fabrics, eating meals. It's really disgusting. Um, and she's like crossing arms like, mm-hmm, sure, sure. And Hannah's like, uh, Caleb, why don't you get the nice wine glasses? So well, think about not only does Hannah have this whole fucking loft rent free, she's also got a car. Like, what is Lucas even doing? He's out of money somehow, but they're still living there. Yeah, where, where the fuck is he? Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, is he back at home? And his like little comic shop of a bedroom, or is he like he, like fuck? It, I'm just gonna move into that AD room at the Radley until yeah. AD stops paying the bill. Fuck him. Uh, I don't care if this place is bugged. Uh, so Ashley's like, so has Emily moved out? And Hannah's like, uh, she sort of moved out of Allison. Apparently, she couldn't uh, sleep at night <laughs> all the fucking. Um, Caleb hands them both some empty Cabernet glasses, and Ashley's like, so you two could live here together. And Caleb's like, well, when I'm not at the hotel, you know. Here isn't permanent, which how did you word this in your notes? <laughs> it's rent free though. Sweet ass arrangement. Lucas is total cuck. Oh uh, yes, the cucks I've been reading about. Um so he goes back for the wine, Ashley's about to like you know, have the labels talk for her daughter. Time for to, her daughter. <laughs> yeah. Time to define the relationship. And Ashley's like, What is? And Caleb's like, um, I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. And Ashley's like, Caleb. I'm happy you're back in Hannah's life. I just wish I knew why. <laughs> Caleb glances over. But it's funny because remember, she had a conversation with him after he'd been like dumped by Spencer or kicked out by Spencer. Not sorry, not dumped mm-hmm. yet. Kicked out by Spencer. He was fucking homeless. And she's like, sorry, buddy. Booked up. Um, well, the, the wrinkle yeah, he here got... is that now the cops are coming around asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's worried about the ulterior motive. Um, so Caleb glances over. He's worried. Hannah says nothing. Maybe a little curious to watch, like how he takes his way out of this one. And Ashley's like, "Did Hannah need your help with something?" Which I love that Ashley's like, she's talked to the cops. So now this is a nice way of asking if the cops arrived. And Hannah's like, "Mom, what are you doing? I'm standing right here. Don't ask." Caleb's like, "No, it's all right. They're good questions. The truth is, I'm here because I needed Hannah's help. I needed to figure some things out, like." How I felt about her. I know that we've drifted apart for a little while. We almost ended up with other people, which would have been a total disaster. <laughs> because I would have spent the next 50 years of my life kicking myself for losing the best thing that's ever happened to me. Hannah's watching all this, like mild concern, some curiosity. It's like she's too guarded to appreciate how like special these compliments are. Uh, it's, it's complicated, you know. And Caleb's like, I can't imagine my life without Hannah. And I don't want to. Yeah, she's like, what are you saying? Like, hoping, hoping, hoping. And he looks over at Hannah for a long beat, staring deep into her eyes. Like, they might go at it right here. And he's like, I want to marry your daughter, Mrs. Marin. And Hannah's eyes get wider. And she cracks a little smile. And he's like, no bells, 
and whistles, just the two of us exchanging vows, sandals and gelato, and finally making this thing official. Hannah smiles okay, bigger okay, now. He's just be like, oh baby. shit, I've been incepted by Ezra. The dream is collapsing. <laughs> Bong. Yeah. Um, Ashley's like, like, well, I guess that's one way to throw me off the scent. Ashley's like, well, and Kev starts laughing. And she goes to, and she's like, we have something to toast. Hannah smiles some more and fades. Just to wonder if this is all just part of the lie to distract her mom. Henceforth yeah. known as pulling a Barry Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Kev's just like, still got it. Well, it's like they've really made sure that each OG ship that gets back together, they're going to have like this bitter pill to swallow. It's like none of these are totally happily ever after here. There's just like, just kind of a, just a turd sitting in the corner of the room for all of them. Which is just shocking to me how people don't realize that. I mean, granted, I think they I realize the, it. They just try to ignore it. I get that the Ezra people have lived in denial like all <laughs> of their lives. <laughs> I don't expect much from them. No offense, folks, but come on. Um, but yeah, like like uh, the Emerson and the Haleb, it's rough, man. It's rough. I, I guess mean, we're gonna probably they're get getting what they like want, kind of, but it's like, Take yeah, it. with like Spencer and Toby, it's like, oh, they got to back together. Yeah, too bad about the dead, you know, two second wife Toby had there. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. So then we fade in on Arya in black and white, as she was always meant to be. She's in her same outfit before, but there's like a, a white veil on her hair. And, uh, they bow and train tied around her waist. Oh boy. Um, someone tosses her a bouquet of paper flowers and she catches it. She's the bride to be. And as you do in a dream, she says, Where am I? She turns around, she's confused. There's a big dim room with some staircases and bars. It looks like a set to a play or a musical. <laughs> Mona approaches. She's dressed like a like a sexy dystopian cop. Uh, nightstick, slick back hair in a bun. I think there's some kind of like eyeshadow happening there. And she's like, the mode of our dreams, you know, she's like, come on, let's get this over with. Your toilet paper's starting to wilt. <laughs> and then with a loud bang, a spotlight shines down on Aria, and then a musical number commences. Uh, Jailhouse Rock is the song. Mona sings. Aria doesn't sing at all, which I, I don't know. This is fine and all, but like, God, I could think of so many other songs they could do, too. You know, like we're like a duet or something where Aria got to sing. Um, there's. Yeah, There's I'm just all... picturing the uh, like, I don't know who the two characters are, but I think we've made this joke before. Two characters in the duet is nothing's going to stop us now by Starship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so the dream. There's all these other like dancers, like like prisoners, dress, you know, who are dancing. They're all dancing around. Um, Ezra's there in a prison jumpsuit and all the other prisoners are just beating the shit out of him. It's wonderful. Yes. Uh, I like there's like a shot where like somebody punches him and he like spins around spitting out blood. It's great. I need those gifts. People start sending them my way. Yeah. And so Mona's just singing jailhouse rock the whole time and dancing around and kind of poking at Aria with her nightstick and then like strangling Ezra with the nightstick. And uh, Aria keeps trying to like rush over to like comfort Ezra and they keep blocking her. Eventually, she like drops her bouquet at some point. Mona picks it up. And Mona gives the bouquet back to Arya and they kind of like finally let Arya go comfort Ezra like towards the end of the song. And we see Mona his keeps black singing. eye. Yeah, with his like ugly black eye. Um it's all like I mean that's like I don't know if it'd be that that nasty that quickly or like it, it's like pretty swollen already, you know. Like maybe they've been working a mower for a good long time. 
<laughs> but yeah, so they eventually get led up some stairs. There's another prisoner up there, and they're like holding a Bible. The prisoner turns around to greet them, and it's Veronica Hastings, who's also got her hair like slicked back in a bun too. Veronica says, we were gathered here together. And Arya's like, Mrs. Hastings, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Ezra's just standing there like bleeding and bruised in a daze. It's a good look for him. <laughs> and Veronica's like, forgive you? Oh, honey, you're just a selfish little bitch. I wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. And then she holds up the Bible and slams it shut. And boom, Arya wakes back up again. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's I'm- quite a line for Veronica Hastings. Oh, it's perfect. I mean, she went full Trump there. Um, but like this, I, I saw a lot of people like criticizing this scene. I kind of loved how bizarre it was. Um, I mean, I have some notes that we'll get to in a sec, but I but mean, I, we knew we were getting a musical scene. I guess I might read on it is I, I'm going to presume they couldn't get Nolan North because I feel like he would have been in jail with Edgar, but then maybe part of Arya like identified with veronica like the wronged wife mm-hmm. i don't know um yeah, yeah. So aria wakes back up in ezra's apartment tv's on of course an old black and white movie's playing blackboard I'm, jungle with glenn ford and sydney poitier okay yeah uh the teacher on the tv is saying he'll never pitch for the yanks anymore and one of the guys is like hey Artie, how do you like mr daddy-o and the other students are just like daddy-o and they all start like chanting and clapping daddy-o and aria looks over ezra's still fast asleep on the couch next to her Sadly, not beaten to a pulp. So she sits up and the teacher's like, you all finished? Fine. Glad you got that out. of." And then she shuts the TV off. Because PLL just got that out of their system. And mm-hmm. Ari's just like rubbing her forehead some more. She's really at the end of a rope here. And then her phone buzzes. Text from AD says, you've waited long enough. Your reward is downstairs in the brew. AD. And she looks over at Ezra again. He's still asleep. So the musical, like, there's a few things. Like, I kind of wish they had something to lead into it like like just like shot of Arya sleeping and then Mm -hmm. go into this like it it was like a really abrupt cut like like with the with shadow play there was like the whole thing where like spencer is like watching tv and suddenly she flinches and she's in the the you know the dream world whereas Mm -hmm. like here it just started suddenly like it was kind of like a jarring intro i felt like Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Um, um the black and white visuals i feel like it's a little dim in a lot of it like it kind of seems like i don't know it could be more like contrasty or something i mean i i think they might just be matching the style of jailhouse rock but like it it looks a little dim to my eyes well but also five seconds of googling before i open my mouth here because it's been a while i haven't seen it um, oh yeah, sorry. Jailhouse Rock isn't black and white. I was thinking like it was in color, but I was like, it's so perfect that it's black and white because it's Aria. Mm-hmm. This is this is the cinema of her mind is always in black and white. No matter how many times the Carly Jakes will take her to the insidiouses of the world. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's so graphic with Aria with Ezra getting punched in the face and just like he turns around and spit blood at us at one point. Well, that's another thing. I mean, like they're clearly having fun letting Ezra get the shit beat out of him. And it's like, who is this for? You know, like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I really, I I feel like this is the kind of thing, like you'll never even get the writers on the record for, for like 10 years after the show ends. But like, is this their silent protest or are they like completely pro Ezra and just like 
wanted to do a fun musical scene. You know, I, I really wonder. Yeah, it's not helped by. I, I guess we can have this conversation. You, you've you've teased it. We can have this conversation afterwards, but mm-hmm. it's not helped by the social media team with the whole like we believe graphic. <laughs> well, I mean those. The social media people and the marketing people who cut the promos, they're completely separate from the show. Like, there's nothing to do with the creative part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. But there is like this real disconnect. Yeah. And it, it, Uh, you definitely get the impression that Freeform is very much pro Ezria. Yeah. Cause it's, it's the biggest show in social media. You don't want to lose that. It's hard if people have to start looking to the lines of like how not healthy some of their ships are. Anyway. Uh, Cut to downstairs. Arya's just snooping around the brew, looking for her rewards. Uh, it's still open, mind you. So she's just like walking around. She's like checking the newspaper rack, she's looking inside copies of Ostinato, she's looking mm-hmm. under the register, under the register counter, like under the napkin dispensers. All this like other people are milling about. Nobody seems to mind her just like creeping around like a weirdo the whole time. Well, it's like this is why Sabrina quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sabrina's like, fuck this place. Also, any scene like this of Arya would be 100% better if she had like a, a comically large magnifying glass <laughs> in her hand the whole time. Sure, yeah. Uh, so anyways, you're going to cut back to that shady fertility doctor's office. It's at night. He's still there doing whatever. Uh, the door opens and Mona and Emily march back in. Emily's got like a sassy grin on her face now. She's holding the envelope and the doctor looks up. He's alarmed. He's like, what are you doing back here? It's past my bedtime. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was like, we thought we hadn't finished your interview with you. And the doctor's like, yeah, I don't have any answers for you. And Emily's like, oh, but you did have the cash to pay off the medical school, medical school loan bill overnight. Shall I read you the statement? And she holds up the letter. And these three kids you know, in, the, in the doctor's coat are like, oh, fuck, what have you done to me, you eventual bitches? The doctor's like, you went through my mail? And Mona's like, yeah. And she's like, we have what you want. You have what we want. Tell us the name of Allison's donor daddy. So when, like, he's like, you went through my mail. And it's like, yeah, you write to our friend. Sorry. Sorry. Maybe those crimes even out a little bit. Piece of shit. Well, like interlude here real quick. Like, I'm kind of shocked that the PLO social media people, freeform social media people didn't just do something with like hashtag daddy. Throughout this yeah, episode. really? Who knows? Um, they might have. I, I don't watch with the hashtags on it now. Somebody was like, no, take that down. Take it <laughs> down right now. Yeah, the doctor's like, I can't do that. And he's like, then tell us who handed you the cash to make the transfer. And I was like, unless you'd rather tell the state board. The doctor's like, look, no, no, no. I, I, I don't have names. All right. I never did. I, it was all handled electronically. So they just like stare at him. He's like, all I can do is give you the donor's ID number. And I was like, we'll take it. She steps forward, glares at the, uh, he glares at them like they're assholes here, uh, not him, you know, the accomplice to rape. And then uh, Mona and Emily kiss. Well, I so, really hope after this is all over, Allie and Emily circle back to this dude and sue the fuck out of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I want, I want when like Elizabeth Sounder takes revenge. That's what mm-hmm. I want them to do to this guy. Yeah, I don't think he has um, any money to steal, it sounds like, unfortunately. Anyways, uh, meanwhile, Veronica and Peter. It's like embarrassing tattoos, and he'll have to explain. Yeah. yeah. Veronica and Peter are in Spencer's barn when she gets home. Veronica is reading that letter from Mary, and then she hands it back to Peter as Spencer walks in. She's like, What's going on here? Spencer says. Uh, And they both look at her. They don't say anything. Peter's like fingering the letter, and Spencer's like, Where did you get that? And he just stews a bit longer. He glances at his wife, and then he answers. He says, It was on the table. 
And Spencer is just watching her parents. She can't even speak. And he says, you know, everything in here is just a manipulative ploy. And Veronica is just like shaking her head. She's like, Peter. And Peter says, she'll suck you in. And before you know it, make you share responsibility for all. And Spencer's like, for what? For what you're willing to do to make her go away forever? He stands up. He's angry now. He's like, I'm not going to dignify that. Veronica says, answer her question, Peter. And he's like, what's the question? Did I try to protect my family from a deranged sociopath who wanted to shatter our lives? Hell yes. And I do it again. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that line reading. I, I feel like there's a, there's a little bit of like Samuel L. and Time to Kill there, you know? Uh, and also, like, yeah, I did it. And I hope they all burn in hell. <laughs> I also felt I was feeling a little bit of like George C. Scott from Dr. Strangelove. Like, has he Ooh. got a good chance? Well, hell yeah. Yeah. What if like Nolan North like patted his stomach? like? Mm-hmm. Oh, Bucky here. Yeah. Well, I, I like the and I do it again. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that is a callback to Spencer from the con game, you know, mm-hmm. and I do it again. Like, like, fa- like daughter, like father here. Mm-hmm. And Papa Hastings, he looks over to Veronica for some backup here. She's not giving him any. Spencer's just shaking her head like she can't believe this. Just Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Spence. Peter fucking Hastings here. And so he turns back to Spencer. He's kind of gesturing at the letter in his hand. He says, if someone continually threatened you, Spencer, I don't think you'd do any different. And he just tosses the letter on the coffee table with some angry sass and walks out. Because you're me. Yeah. Door slams behind him. Spencer's just speechless. Veronica stands up for a moment, kind of picking up the letter again. She looks at it for a second, and then she folds it up and hands back to Spencer. And she says, well, you can start unpacking these boxes. And she's like, why? And Brock says, we're not going to Harrisburg. I'll make an announcement in the morning. I'm forfeiting my Senate seat. Spencer's like, no, mom, you can't do that. You had nothing to do with any of this. And Veronica says, but I'm married to someone who did, Spencer. You know how these things work. How can I take that job and I'll just be treading water waiting for the shark to take another bite? Like, well, Veronica, if you're a Republican, you just scream fake news and let your colleagues protect your ass. While you try to like cancel the health care of 28 million Americans in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. So Veronica says, I guess some dreams were meant to be just that dreams Poor Veronica. She had like a months long victory cruise. I don't think she even made it to the swearing in. No, no. Yeah. So she walks off. Uh, she doesn't quite make it to the door yet. When Spencer's like, mom, Mary, she didn't bring that recording into this house. She's not out to hurt us. Yeah, she is. And yeah, Veronica's like, really? Then who did? Who is? And Spencer can only shake her head and like her face is wet with tears. She doesn't know. So what do you think about Peter here? Well, I think you and I are morally the kind of people who would probably kill someone, probably for a lot less reason. I mean, um, I'm not going to lie. I have, uh, I have some emotional blind spots when it comes to Peter Hastings. It's hard for me sure. to really feel like he's done anything wrong. Well, I like this that Veronica is not implying like I'm I'm leaving your father again or anything like that. It's it's almost like she's like because I'm married to him because I'm staying married to him or whatever. Like obviously I can't be a politician, but you know Although, this is the law we've chosen. Let's be real. There's like a dozen other Hastings family scandals that could have deep sixed her career at any moment. True. Like it's not True. like this is the only one out there. True. Um. Well, Peter's line, you would have done the same thing. Does he maybe suspect or even know that she's killed someone too? Well, mind you, she's been 
a suspect in a numerous investigations several times. So I feel like Peter has to have just taken a guess. If she ha- if she isn't guilty of something already, she will be within a matter of weeks. Well, the, the eye chatter they're exchanging during that scene and whatnot. Well, when she says, please don't call the cops, yeah. Well, and then in here, you know, you'd have done the same thing. Yeah. It makes me wonder... Do- there's there's the Rollins thing, and you know he has his private eyes. Who knows what he may or may not know about that? And then there's also Charlotte. I kind of yeah. wonder, like, what if he has his own evidence that where he suspects that she's the one who killed Charlotte? Because mm. he seemed pretty confident when he's like, "You'd have done the same thing." I mean, the the difference between like people like us and like the Hastings is, you know, say we're going to take a vacation, we'll stay home and enjoy some time. We'll go to San Francisco. We'll go to Lake Tahoe. We'll go to Seattle or something like that. The Hastings will almost always go to like Chappaquiddick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Peter will be like, give me the Senate seat. I'll take it. <laughs> I wonder, I hope this isn't the last we see at Nolan North. God, I, I feel like yeah. there's, there's still more to Peter Hastings story before it ends however it ends here yeah there's at least a few more kids that he can be the father of right definitely yeah but i don't know yeah it's just last great you know hell yes i did it <laughs> love that yeah anyway so we're gonna go back to the brew Arya is still poking around she finally spots a folded up piece of paper under a table leg and she kind of retrieves it and it's a folded up envelope addressed to her and inside, there's a note that reads, connect this. You're almost there. It's uh, typed out on typewriter, by the way, for you Ezra is A fans. Uh, so mm-hmm. also in the envelope, there's a puzzle piece that she pulls out. It looks big enough to take up like two or three spots on that little game, that little puzzle yeah. game. Uh, and she's kind of staring at this piece a while. And then she's, she feels some eyes on her. She looks over. Oh, there's Mona Vanderwall over by the coffee bar. Just watching her as she puts some sugar in her tea. Not not looking at what she's doing. She's doing it perfectly. Just oh my watching God. Arya. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 So Arya kind of like, like Mona smiles and waves and Arya waves back, just kind of like dead eyed before walking off. Like, and she's just going to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Mona watches her go mischievous smile on her face. And like, such is her majesty. She can open a packet of sugar and pour it into her cup without taking her eyes off Arya's retreating steps the entire time. It's, such a great little touch that she like never once looks down while she's doing this. I want before the show ends, I want one more weird Mona thing with like making coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after the commercial, well, I just, like real quick, was, real quick, mm-hmm. I just want to say, I don't think it's any coincidence that Mona is here right now. Like, no. she, she probably blue jacked Aria's phone and is completely onto her. Well, I think Mona's not an idiot. She'll pick up on the fact that, like, man, Arya's been sure as fuck quiet during these little, like, group therapy sessions. Or she may That's just be suspicious. tracing all of them anyway, just just to be proactive, you know? The only uh, thing that could stop a bad A is a good A. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, after the commercial, Hannah's, like, stumbling through the woods with a flashlight, grimacing as, like, tree branches catch her in the face. She, <laughs> this is romantic. She rounds a corner, finds a tent, just as Caleb like unzips the opening and leans out with, like a fluorescent lantern. And he's like, you found me. And she's like, yeah, barely. He grins, takes her hand, pulls her inside, zips them both in. This is like, man, how hard are you guys working to recapture the magic? Totally, totally. It's yeah. like, this is, this is like nostalgic and like a pathetic 
like like way um so she's like like five years from now he's not even gonna be able to get an erection unless he's inside a tent oh five years from now he's gonna be full-on like gosling at the end of uh blue valentine like like bad hairline and everything but um she's like why are we here and he's like well when i dropped your mom off the hotel the staff was giving me the hairy eyeball probably they all work for dick fury now better to be off the grid um so she smiles and he reaches for the bag she she brought with her and he's like what's in the bag and she pull, stops him, pulls back. Whatever it is, it's like clanking around a bit. She's like, stop. <laughs> she like, Toby said to bring an empty bag and then she'd understand why. <laughs> He's like, oh, not fishing. Wink. Um, she holds it close. He smirks at her. But now she's got to make a little Hannah face. Um, and she's like, did you really mean what you said? And he's like, what? What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, you jerk. <laughs> and it's like, to my mom, did you really? And he's like, Hannah. And she's like, I need to know, because I don't know if you said just a distraction. And he's like, Hannah, I would marry you right this second if we could find a bear who's licensed. I I had a joke there, but I'm not going to go there. Um, so they I both was trying laugh. to find something with Officer Barry Maple, but I just couldn't find the right phrasing. Yeah, I was trying to think, is there any like just really big bearded guy? No. There are not on PLL. Amazing yeah, there's enough. really not. Um, mm-hmm. so anyways, they both laugh. They grin at each other. Hannah produces some plastic champagne cups and a bottle of bubbly from her bag. A song starts playing. It's somehow not Find a Way by Tyler J. Blackburn. It would be better if it was a song sung by Ashley Benson, I feel like. Anyway, she reaches in her bag, finds some cigars. Uh, he's like, oh, whoa, when did you pick up this habit? And she's just like, what? I came prepared just in case we want to do a Clinton on each other. Um, she pulls off the, like, the circular seal from the cigars, holds it up, and Caleb smiles. And she slides it onto his ring finger. He does the same for her with the other cigar. And he's like, when can I kiss the bride? And she's like, now. So they lean forward and kiss. They're on their knees, of course, like they were in whatever episode in season one. This is how all proper Halo lovemaking begins, yeah, on their knees. Yeah, it's it's hard on the knees. Um, the song we're singing is like, we are, we are, we are forever. Oh, boy. Um, as they make it out, and we cut to the outside of the season one, like losing their virginity callback. They embrace in silhouette as the camera slowly pans up to the trees. And I'm just going to say, you're 23. Leave the word forever out of there. I don't know. Like, I, I guess I listened to another podcast where the Halo Shippers are very happy about this. It kind of feels a little perfunctory to me. Mm-hmm. Especially like when Ezra was like the, the inceptor of this whole idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, and then, it's like, oh, hey, I can distract your mom by like proposing to both of you at the same time. Eh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> this relationship. I don't know how, how long it might last. That's when Ezra pops in this tent and he's like, try to think a little bit bigger, darling. Gelatos. <laughs> yeah, well, go Halo, I guess. Anyway, meanwhile, we're going to be panning over a car. We see we're uh, back at the Lost Woods there. The signs reflected in the window, which looks cool. And we hear Mary off screen say, I'm so happy to see you. I'm glad you came. And we kind of pan past the car. There's Spencer. She's talking to Mary by the entrance to her cavern. Cabin. Uh, Mary says, did you tell them that you were leaving? And Spencer's shaking her head. And Mary says, do, you, did they, do they know you're with me? And Spencer says, no. And Mary's like, good. Which is just shady as fuck. Well, like she's about to hand her like a chalice of blood. <laughs> Or, yeah, or, or just drink. murder her. Yeah. Oh, no one yeah. knows you're here. Good. Welcome uh, to the children of the night. <laughs> yeah. Mary kind of looks her over and she's like, you pack, you're packed lightly. 
when the rest of your things are in your car? And Spencer's like, I'm not going with you. Good call, Spencer. Sorry. Sorry, Hannibal. I'm not going with you. Yeah. You can really see the smile freeze on Mary's face, but like she's trying to keep her expression friendly. She's like, I thought you were ready to leave this town. Spencer says, I am. I just, I can't leave the people in it. My friends need me and I, I need them. And I can't walk away from my parents right now, especially not my mom. She's, and she sighs. And Mary looks especially crestfallen here, like just to hear somebody else called mom. Uh, but she hides it well, I think. And Spencer's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And Mary's like, don't apologize. She is your mother. And you are lucky to have her. <laughs> Veronica, hire a bodyguard. <laughs> well, just, you know, change all your prescriptions right now. It is interesting that Spencer said parents, plural. Like, even though she says, especially my mom. Like, it doesn't sound like Peter's ex out of the family just yet. You know? Well, because... Whatever Peter's done, I think his words rung true about Spencer. You do it too. Mm-hmm. Like she is her her she is her father's daughter. Totally. Yeah. So they stare at each other for a bit, and Spencer's eyes it's it's like they're searching for something and they're not finding it. And her expression really changes through the scene. Like it's almost like she's growing suspicious now. Um, it's like maybe she was expecting something to hap- happen and it didn't. And so Mary says, "Do you know who delivered that recording to your house?" And she, she, when she says this, she's kind of like looking down. She's tucking her hair like it's a guilty tell the way the way she says it. Like it's the only time she doesn't make eye contact with Spencer. And Spencer's like, no. And Mary nods like she's unsurprised. And Spencer has like like maybe too sweet of a smile. And she says, but at least now I know that it wasn't you. And Mary says, I hope you can forgive me. Spencer says, I already have. But you need to forgive yourself. Which is. Nice response considering the letter in 7-Eleven. Mm. Yeah, so they smile at each other a bit longer. There's some pain there, though. Spencer walks away. She kind of inhales sharply. She's breathing hard. Uh, and she's getting over to her car, and suddenly she hears a tree branch snap somewhere out in the woods. And she stops and looks back. She's looking around. She's scared now. Too scared, it seems like to me. Mm. Uh, I mean, this is an interesting last little scene here who could be out there like marco did marco follow her maybe or, or ad or someone else twincer what if, i was gonna say this is the first time you've mentioned twincer this whole episode sorry well, i just i thought it was interesting falling down on the job you pulled back a little bit i we discussed our percentages in the last episode true true i, I, I don't think there are any change were, really just curious if you were like hedging the bets a little bit um I, I look anyone who's listening to this podcast knows we pull out a new theory every week we're not like a, a one theory podcast except for the theory um, also if you listen to this podcast you know that we are full of shit mm-hmm. um well by the end of the show unless something really wild happens we can probably be like oh we called it that one time because we mentioned every theory yeah what is the thing okay so i feel like i feel a little bit like john locke proclaimed to the universe something on the island and I got vindicated one time. And all I said was, (laughs) at one point, I want the show to do like fucking like Mission Impossible style masks. And the the gods smiled upon me. What is your like one bonkers thing that you would love to see before the end of the show? Well, I mean, we're getting a lot of Arya's A stuff, so I'm definitely enjoying that. Um, Okay. But like something small, something, something tropey, something. I mean, it could be something big, it could be something, something small though. Like I have one small thing. I really want Mona and Allison to kiss. 
Like, I feel like that's like the only, on. the only way to bury that hatchet. So not romantic per se, just like, uh, or maybe romantic. What do you say? I mean, I, either way. Yeah. But just something like where it's like the, the conflict is over between them. They've, they've come to respect and appreciate each other. So, so not just like a, uh, a, a well-written, well-acted scene of dialogue. You want like a smooch, mm-hmm. peace pipe smooch. Yes. Uh, okay. Real quick I just, on. I just want Ezra to pop out of the cake at the wedding. <laughs> Why would he do that? It's Ezra. I want like, I want like Ezra to like, one of those jobs where it's like you're, he's like on a motorcycle maybe and somebody's strung like a cable across the road and it decapitates <laughs> him. I, I think we could have one more decapitation on the show. I don't think we've reached our quota. <laughs> Ezra could like very well have like a like a, almost a Hannibal Lecter scene where it's like he's just like this meal is delicious. Hannibal's like it's like his own brain. Yeah, something. <laughs> this kielbasa is fantastic. If they could somehow have a scene like a little Kill Bill esque, where it's like you you're not seeing the top of his head because it's been mm-hmm. cut off, and then he like collapses. Yeah. That or Ari has a katana and she cuts off both of his arms in front of a mm-hmm. army of uh, Japanese yakuza. Uh, one last thing on this Mary Spencer scene: they don't hug, which I found interesting. There was there was a moment when they should have hugged. You know, I already have, but you need to forgive yourself. They smile at each other. Do they hug there? No, she just walks away. Well, Spencer, Spencer, but do you see Mary as a hugger? it's a mother daughter thing though I mean even if someone's not normally a hugger it's a specific situation here you know also just a reminder a hug is just another excuse to hide your face okay um so we cut to Allison's darkened house we're following close behind a black hoodie as they approach the liar's lament game board gloved hands remove the game foam put in that new extra long piece Ari received then they touch the phone which lights up all the Broad buildings, game words, clicks, comes to life. That should be board buildings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're just rife of typos. I know. A lot of the dialogue is stuff from the site where we get the transcripts from, and I just didn't catch it. Um, but, you know, the other stuff is all me. Um, so on the phone, the new message appears. Congrats on your grand prize. Congrats, your, sorry. Congrats. Your grand prize is right behind you. Black Hoodie turns around. Of course, it's Arya and all of her dark majesty. Uh, Arya walks over to an empty blue vase. At this moment, I was really expecting when she turns around, like the reprise right behind you, the, the liars are all standing there. Yeah. yeah. Surprise, bitch. We knew it was you all along. Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? You are bad at this. No. Um, she pulls them out. She pulls the papers out of the vase and she looks uh, at them and, and looks at them greedily. Looks like some kind of report, presumably the one she almost filed. Which, it's paperwork, Ari. Wouldn't you be afraid of Xeroxes or something? Come on. Anyway. Um, I mean, couldn't you just say I never wrote that? I don't know. Potentially statute of limitations. Like, what are you worried about? Like, hurting Ezra's feelings? I know. Anyway. Speaking of the promos and whatnot, like, it was like this mystery of like, oh, I wonder what Arya's dark secret is. And then like, in the promo for this episode, we basically found out. That it yeah. was like she'd, you know, written her police report. And then in the promo for the next episode, we find out how the liars catch her and who does. And it's like, 
what are you doing to your show, Freeform, you morons? Like, why do you keep giving away the big twists in each episode in the promo? Uh, like, are we going to find out who A is from the promo? Seriously. Um, oh, sorry. It's me, Ren. This is not a fake out. I 100% promise you. Uh, like, one of the more intriguing kind of, like, mid, you know, like, half-season mysteries here is, like, Arya's situation and why is she doing this? And how will she get found out? You know, who is on to her, that sort of thing. And they've given away all the beats of it in the promos for the next episode. Well, it's so dumb. In that promo, too, because you have Spencer and Hannah have like seemingly like, you know, hunted down the clues and confronted her. And then you have you show Spencer being like, I give up. I don't care or whatever. And it's like, that's even worse. It's one of the most egregious things in a trailer I think I've ever seen. And we talked about this long before, like privately off the air is in the wretched movie Mission Impossible 2 when you're doing all the Mission Impossible 2 shit you know the the John Woo one and then you cut to a shot of Tom Cruise being like you got to be kidding me it's like well that's a meta statement for your whole fucking <laughs> dumbass movie um like don't don't reveal to me like how Ari gets found out and then show characters like not being like giving a shit anymore being too exhausted by the plot shenanigans like Jesus Christ um, the ship's already sank before it's like left port anyway so meanwhile Emily is pacing her outside an apartment door we haven't seen the show yet Mona walks up surprised to see Emily there I, I kind of thought this was like an Ezra's old building um, based on the, the windows in the hallway yeah um, yeah one of the windows looks like it's Ezra's old place with the it's like, mm-hmm. I was like did Mona just move into Ezra's old apartment but her I, apartment's bigger. I wouldn't want to live there that's for sure no god I'd have it cleaned hardcore um mona's just like emily what are you doing here and then they kiss no um emily's like mona this is from spencer and she hauls up the phone that aria planted at spencer's place emily says 80 left at her house we're hoping you can find something on here to help us when did they make that handoff (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah who knows um yeah, Mona's like, where's Caleb when you need him? And Emily's Locking like, in the he, and <laughs> yeah, he and Hannah aren't are answering on their phones. And Mona's just like, mm-hmm, give it. So she takes the phone from Emily, and Emily's like, just be careful, okay? You really need to watch your step. Also, so, we've totally contaminated the fingerprint evidence. Why does Emily say that? <sighs> why is she warning her to be careful and watch her step? I would think... Um, if you're not on the game board and you're playing the game, you might invoke A's ire. Would hmm. be my first thought. Eh, maybe. I mean, I. I mean, Caleb I think ended somewhat, in the hospital. Yeah, true. Somewhat, I feel like that line is there just to make us feel even more worried about Mona. But yeah, she is playing the game when she's not supposed to. Yeah, it's 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 like a misdirect building into this like false cliffhanger mm-hmm. here. And Mona's just like note taken. So she moves past Emily to her door, and Emily's like, wait. I also think I narrowed down the agency that the donor and Mona like scoffs and she's like, tomorrow, hon, it's been a wicked long day. Some of us need our beauty rest. Also, your leads are crap. Mm-hmm. Um, she opens her door just enough to squeeze through. And he's like, could I at least show you on the laptop? I Mona's like, call you tomorrow. Okay, good night. And he's like, can I use your bathroom? I got a shit. <laughs> Mona's like, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, shuts, shuts the door in Em's face fast as she can, like leaving Emily shunned, which you know what? This is a theme here, tasting your own medicine. And it is Seriously. bitter. Seriously, Emily, that's what you get. Bitter. You, you were so mean and rude and dismissive to Mona this whole episode, and now you want to hang out? 
be BFFs and show what's on the laptop and whatnot. She's, she doesn't have time for your bullshit. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so inside we see Mona lock three deadbolts and then peer out the window through the peephole. Emily's still out there, like looking back at the door, kind of worried, maybe feeling a little suspicious, but Emily eventually walks off. So once she's gone, Mona sets her purse down and uh, sets her keys down on the coffee table. It looks like a nicely appointed apartment here. This is like the first time I was like, wait, how is Mona paying for this? Like, does she even have a job right now? What does she do? We don't really know. Like Mona couldn't just do anything and make. A whole oh, yeah, I'm sure. In two hours. I just wonder, like, does she even have a cover or what? You know, um, yeah. but yeah, Mona moves over to like a little office area. She sits down on a computer, which is a Mac Pro, an old one. Nice. Uh, and with a few keystrokes, the screen lights up and she's typing away on a very clicky mechanical keyboard. She's all business now. And we get like a wider shot and we see she's got uh, all kinds of A material on the walls behind her. There's photos of the game board. There's maps of the woods. There's some floor plans, various buildings, a birth certificate, photos, of the, photos of the Radley, Ali, Cece, Jason, the Hastings family. Melissa's up there in the corner. Uh, there's some newspapers covering Wilton's death. Uh, headlines about CC's you know suspect identified Veronica's election campaign uh, Ashley Marin even in her orange jumpsuit uh, and maybe even a surveillance photo of Ren and Spencer from season one kissing at the Edgewood motor court which I gotta say all of you creeps out there you beautiful creeps I love you because we got I don't know how many <laughs> tweets messages or emails with that photo especially by <laughs> Part of me wanted to really, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, part of me really wanted to deep dive on all this because like I went and looked at like 412 again when they discover Ezra's lair and there's like that shot of Ren and Spencer, different shot, but another shot of them together. And I'm like, oh, what does this all mean? Is it a clue? And then I stopped and I was like, has any of like the big boards that they've ever found ever panned out at all? I'm not no. sure if they have really. Like I, the only time it really has is when we literally saw Cece in a black hoodie standing in front of one. Uh, and everyone is like, Oh, well that she's not a though. They wouldn't just show us that. So yeah, not even, not even the police ones. No, no. All the, all the police ones we found, I mean, we've got plenty of those. We've had plenty of a layers. So I, maybe there are actual clues here to put together or maybe not. I don't know. It, it looks, I, it looks like a real smorgasbord of just, you know, a stuff in general. But I love that you you tweeted that photo because it reminded me of how excessively performatively creepy Ezra's mm-hmm. is. Totally. Like the special displays that he sets up in the middle of the room. Like what the fuck? Like he just needs more inspiration, so he needs to go stare at even more boards and shit. It's just like all time procrastination move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the last detail here, of course, is when the camera pans over to the corner. There are four four maybe five shuttle shovels there. Uh, just propped up in the corner dirty shovels mona presumably went and uh, confiscated them from that ranger and so it's it's there's been debate online like what does the scene mean i feel like it's very clearly showing us that mona has like kind of become an a working for the liars not against mm-hmm. them which mm-hmm. is why she has the possible incriminating evidence i I don't think this is them showing that like she's gone evil. I, I think that's that's the superficial read they want you to have, but to me it seems pretty obvious that it's not. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Mona's an A on the side of angels. Mm-hmm. These angels were pretty little devils. Um and yeah, she's always been kind of protecting them, especially since like 
<laughs> season two and three. So she's just doing it again. I Mona is in some ways, and I love this show, obviously. How many fucking episodes of this podcast have we done? But like she's almost too good for this show, almost too good for these characters. How many versions? I always thought about Heather Hogan's thing about Alice and all the different faces of Alice. And we saw the dead girl who basically willed herself back to life. Like, remember how great that was once upon a time? <laughs> yeah. Like how many different Monas have we seen as they pointed out, we get the brand new Mona to add like to the, the Funko pop, the good bobblehead a, yeah. action figure. We get the good a version of Mona. You also get the Johas rock prison guard Mona. Well, like, even even when Mona was a like, the liars are her dolls. She wants to play with them. She never got as vicious as Cece got, or this new A who's like potentially going to put them all in jail. You know, mm-hmm. um, that just it's not her style, I guess. Like it it doesn't what what AD has been doing to the liars, and and who knows whether or not that's the same person's emoji, like. It that does not feel like Mona to me. Like the style's all wrong. Yeah, Mona was having more fun with them. Yeah. Anyway, that's where we are at the end of the episode. But yeah, now she's like she's like trying to like play amongst her dolls, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is the episode. Next episode, if I can pull it up here, or not. Oopsie doopsie, I closed that tab right there. Oh. I like that's a weird title. Mm-hmm. Um Choose or Lose, right? Charlie Craig directed or wait, Charlie no, Craig written. Charlie Craig yeah. written, Norman Buckley directed. It's the uh it's the final battle, Norman Buckley. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Craig, I believe. Because yeah. the seven nineteen is all Joseph Dirty, right? Um I know he has that great Raymond Chandler title. Did he direct it to? Yeah, he did. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we're we're screaming towards the end here. There's 18, 19, and 20 to go now. Which uh, also, I mean, I don't think it will shock him to know that we have special affection for, for Norbuck and Joseph Jordy. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is like the good stuff. This is like the, we're really getting into the end game stuff. Um, I suspect that we're, I don't know, like it's it's going to be more killer than filler um, well, in I the think season we're, of we're Answers. Getting to the point now where there can only be so many more red herrings to go like right. where it's like, if someone starts to seem suspicious, that may be because they're a, and not just because they're a new red herring, you know, like I, I know at the end of season two, it was really like Mona and Melissa are both super shady right now. Who's it going to be type of thing. Uh, now, of course with, mm-hmm. with season six, 10 and the reveal of CC there, the problem was that she hadn't been on screen in like a season. And so there's there's all this evidence that she was a but just not recent stuff. And there's this whole like Charles business that they had to get through. So I don't think it's going to be that way again. Hopefully. I mean, I guess the thing there is like if A.D. is like Melissa, for instance, we just haven't seen her in a while. So I I hope that still plays well, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Ren super briefly this season and then not for like three seasons. And hmm. Yeah, which I suspect he'll be back because... Oh, he's going to be back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think... We did our kind of handicapping of the odds in the last episode. Has anything changed in this one? No, not really. I mean... Maybe, maybe have... a little bit more on the Ezra's A recently, I feel like. Turn turn the volume up on that a little bit. 
Well, that would be this would be a great misdirect. Bringing up all the shit he did, you know, mm-hmm. to her with the book and everything would be a great misdirect because you're too confused by that. You're you're remembering that shit in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't think we really had Mary Drake that high as an AD suspect. Yeah. And I think she's. Yeah, I just don't. I think she's like evil or whatever. I don't think she's AD though. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no nothing like super twinser ish where you're just like, oh, that could be the twin. Like it all pretty much seemed like Spencer. Um, her hair was a little bit different, but I think that's just like she highlight, put some red highlights in it or something. Um, just imagine if Mona wasn't so distracted by Rosewood shit. She could be mm-hmm. out there like finding the pee pee tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing for or against Melissa's AD. I mean, I feel like that theory rests on a lot of much older evidence than anything new, really. Like, there's a lot of like 6B stuff for Melissa, mm-hmm. but really nothing in season seven that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll be finding out soon because uh, yeah, the whole time jump business is going to happen. Like some some shit's going to go down sooner than we think. Oh, I don't know if we've mentioned that on the podcast, but they talked about it on social media. Well, so between seven nineteen and seven twenty, there's a one year time jump. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's going to happen. That'll be very interesting. Yeah. Um, my understanding. Well, no. Um, that's my theorizing. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say that. Um, anyway, yeah, I think we can about wrap this up unless you have anything else. No, uh, just really looking forward to these next three episodes. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website page, which is roswatchpl2.com on Twitter. We're at roswatchpl2. We also appreciate getting reviews in iTunes, even when they're one star reviews because our podcasts are too long. Uh, thanks to Swift Like Ninjas and and fiance i'm not sure how to pronounce that um i've not checked internationally recently so if you have left us an international review i will get to it soonish i swear uh anyway we'll be back next week for choose or lose home stretch oh shit Mm -hmm. until then have a good one bye-bye Bye.